0: It barely picked up the pop because they're of twist offs. It's Yingling. <laughs> we had to get bottles. We couldn't. We we couldn't find the cans. Did they even make Yingling cans. Mm-hmm. Are they harder to find? Uh, they don't sell them at the gas so. station. That's for sure. Yeah, so we didn't look, Maybe if so we went you
1: to like, like a Walmart, we did very hard. Didn't go to
2: like a Kroger. They're okay. like a tan color. Yeah, it's kind of like. The I wouldn't sticker. say. I wouldn't say it's exactly that. It's definitely darker than that. It's probably like that color. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little less, but yeah, it's definitely a like darker, kind of a goldish. Goldish color, looking. That's all right.
0: All right. Yeah. We may, we may all do it. We may do. We yeah. not get Yingling, and, and not in Kentucky. Not in Kentucky. It's well, not there yet. It's sad. I know. It's, it's depressing. depressing. It's in Ohio, yeah. Indiana, Tennessee. It's all around us. They're just teasing us on the borders. Mm-hmm. We gotta just meet in the middle.
2: Yeah. I remember when I was driving to move to Ohio, uh, everyone was like texting me about pictures they saw like Yingling. Like Jared Courts actually was one of them. Like texted me like Yingling trucks, like when they were on the interstates or just traveling wherever they were. And I was like, guys, I've had this like. For years in college. Like, yeah. I'm used to it. Like, yeah. But they were excited. I get it. You know, it's like a new... Because you went to college in North Carolina, yeah, right? Yeah, at App State. So, and this is what, you know, we drank either really terrible stuff or
0: because we're cheap or we would buy this and we would just, you know, Yingling was like our standard, I would say. Well, well, today's is one that Evan and I have been looking forward to doing since we had the idea because our guest today, Jared no Thomas, pressure. has been... We, right when I we, thrive
2: in pressure, guys, so I'm not going <laughs> <not gonna> to
0: lie. <laughs> I'm amazing. When well, we were talking about the idea of <laughs> oh, our brainchild of this podcast, we were kind of just like, who can we sit down with? And 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 Jared's was somebody that popped into our head instantly because of how how connected he is within the activity, what he what he did when he marched, and he's just
2: a Cobra, a yeah, cobra, purple Cobra, purple
0: Cobra. <laughs> and
1: you're just like one of our favorite people to talk to. Yeah, well, he's just a very interesting for many person. reasons honored. Just a very interesting Thank person to talk to. Awesome. So. So but,
0: uh, uh, welcome everyone. This is the Aged Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and here with me, all, as always, is Evan Worrell, along with
2: Jared Hampton Thomas. Jared Hampton Thomas, I heard you. Did you? Jared Hampton Thomas. <laughs> 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 I feel like there should be like yeah, the, the third was, after that. or something. Yeah, I was wondering, should I scream? Like, is this pretty good volume? Say? No, you're good. You're, okay. fine. I, I'm watching the Solid. feed right here. We're fine. Yeah. So uh, I met Jared. I
1: think one of the first times I ever met you was me auditioning at 2010,
0: For sure. and
1: you were just there because you were hanging out and
2: <laughs> taking video, taking video trolling, and the normal one troll.
1: Yeah, well, I don't remember what weekend it was. At the end of the weekend, but you're just in my face, and you're like, "Are you scared?" And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Yeah, dude, I got scared." And you're like, "Yeah, I would be scared." It's so fast because <laughs> we were playing the openers like 2:38, 2:36, oh, yeah, or fast. whatever. Yeah. And then there's Japan on top, and Jerry Courts on two, and they have the split singles. And like they missed the first one, he's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, was kind of."
0: I was Uh-oh. putting a little pressure on him, you know. I mean, Jerry's great f- because he calls a spade a spade. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't hold anything back from what he thinks about whatever. Uh, but that so, was like
1: one of my first encounters. Him videotaping me from like six inches away. Well, I mean, <laughs> while I guess, we all play I, the opener it's like, terribly this dirty, guy with a camera
2: in my yeah. Face, like, well, you kind of walk into the room and you see and hear these notes that are happening that are. Game changing and the fastest, you know, most dense amount of notes you've ever heard in your life, and and I, I was pretty notorious for for documenting video a lot when I was marching at X and among other places. So yeah, so you kind of I like to document. That's my thing. So it's
1: funny to go back on it and look at it.
2: Right, what's still on YouTube, by the way? Uh, I, I the link can be hard to find, but it's basically like a 2010 rhythm X like early seat preseason. Something there's one for 2011 too. Which we're yeah, 20, we like called it like the Tainted Brown Stars <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, you know we gotta just, be creative. That's, yeah, that's, we're so, working on that. So
0: before we dive into the nitty gritty on this one, let's introduce yourself. You, yeah. you don't need to give us like your entire evolution through the activity. Just kind of tell everyone where you've marched mm-hmm. and what years you marched there, and sure. then we'll just kind of dive into what we want to dive into here.
2: Yeah, Uh well, just getting into drum corps 2003, 2004, Carolina Crown. And then from there, I ended up at Blue Coats, 2005 and six, and we're aged out. And then indoor, Rhythm X from 2004 to 2007, so four years there.
0: I always forget that you Marsh Crown for two years. I love yeah. that. Cream
2: team. The, I'm, still, I'm still on the, <laughs> the Carolina Crown like alumni page where I see videos, which was awkward last summer. I mean, it's not like I watch them, but I, I just kind of get notifications a lot, and it's really funny. I still get emails from Mo. And I'm just like, guys, this is like there's like, 15 15 years, years ago. Years ago. Yeah.
1: There's like the CMFC snares of all time. I'm still that, and that yeah, he They're, doing They're doing
0: great. They're doing great. I'm in that group. Are you? All yeah. in that group. How are you in that group? How I don't are know. You Some group? dude added me. Wow. But like, there's
1: people posting videos like from camp this year. It's like, don't spread them around. I'm like, well, I'm going to spread these I around. I mean, <laughs> you
2: realize that if, if Josh Bricky is in that group, he is a literal caption head of a competing drum corps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was last year and I saw it. So... But no, I, I don't care. It's it's cool to kind of see what those guys are up to. Um, yeah, I
0: think the so. guy, somebody, I forget who even added me, but it was right around when the podcast first came out. <laughs> I didn't know you were in there. That's funny. And Yeah, it was right around <laughs> oh, when the nice. podcast first came out, and I think they just assumed that it was the Kentucky DCI show. We went and hung out with Travis and Dan and those guys, Maybe. and I think it was somebody that was marching that summer that added me. Maybe. And he might have just assumed that I was a Crown alum. From yep. being around, knowing all those Who is guys. Who you like, know? Yeah, for real. Well, is that when you, was that people. when Rennick was there?
2: When... Uh, Rennick, actually, yeah. he came to a couple of camps. He wrote the book in 2003, 2004. And the 2003 was the actual first year that Jeff Queen took over as caption Did Josh head. march
0: crown too? Josh yes. was in crown of four.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Well, Josh, you know, I mean, I guess we'll get there and that's part of the story. But yeah, Jeff, Jeff was the caption head. He did my individual audition, so, which was absolutely you know awesome but terrifying and then paul as i said wrote the book in 03 and 04 and then he would occasionally come in on tour kind of do some slot uh, you know some consult consulting work and then yes yeah. phantom was his main game phantom was his thing obviously with his switch over and obviously in 03 they were not terrible so uh yeah <laughs> they did true. okay um, they, they were they were not bad yeah very impressive speaking um, of not terrible phantom
1: lines there's been some really good phantom lines <laughs> that have been all been okay a lot ones. better than uh we'll get to that
2: in a minute <laughs> yeah we'll get to that i don't know yeah so for debate. Yeah, yeah,
0: of course. All right, so there's a little bit of background. So let's just, you want to talk about WGI first or DCI first? What do you I, mean, I think do?
2: DCI would be probably the best for me in my story and how, like I said, all you know, tying it to the beginning. Um, I essentially was in high school drumline like most people. Uh, I didn't get into snare drumming until I was in, I guess, 10th grade, actually. So I was a baritone player. For what? four years. Believe it right or not <laughs> Yeah, what? like my band director, I basically like didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went into band and was like in sixth grade and was like, I want to do trumpet because my friends were doing trumpet, you know, the standard. And then the band director, I, he just realized how bad I was and I probably wasn't trying as much as I should have. I couldn't hit high notes. So basically he was like, we're going to put you on baritone. And I'm like, whatever. So I did that for three years and obviously in the middle school timeframe. And then I did marching band for the first time on baritone. And that's when I really just... Thought it wasn't for me, and the whole time I'm trying to switch to percussion, and I was denied so many times. He's like, "We already have a million percussionists." And the answer no. So finally, my my freshman year after uh, marching band was over, I basically tried to audition in the winter line on bass drum, and I made it. And then I think we had a season. Nice. Uh, it's kind of weird. Cause you think you had a long, season? Yeah, we folded like a <laughs> bunch of times. It was just it was a disaster. So that kind of got me into the drum line finally. And then I was obviously hooked on snare drum from the beginning. So I'd kind of been practicing a little bit with no knowledge. And then essentially my best friend became YouTube. Uh, and then I, yeah, I just started going to drum corps shows and recording snare lines, specifically Crown, because that was close to where I'm from in North Carolina, relatively. And then I would go to Winston-Salem, you know, the Greensboro or Charlotte shows, beat, stuff like that and I would just record the snare line specifically. They used to have, like, epic long sectionals back then. Like, I swear i have, like, an hour and a half snare section yeah, in the lot. Like people so would go crazy. and just,
1: like, drum before shows forever. Oh, and then they'd so go and cool. drum after shows. Like, they'd be like, right. we're going to go yep. get our drums off the trailer and drum until yeah. we leave. And Not yeah. anymore.
2: Yeah, not anymore. It's, yeah, it's getting the soft. The game has uh, changed. It's getting soft. Uh, but, no, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that was what made me – I just went home, watched the videos, played to it, you know, just tried to craft, like, what I was trying to – to think was the way they played uh, to video and just sound. And then going towards my senior year, the uh, I went for a, I think it's an independent A group or something that was like kind of near my parents' house, like maybe 20, 30 minutes out. And that's where I met my first like drum corps people who who marched drum corps, specifically Glassman 102 snare line. Ooh, yeah. years. So I, yeah, I came across these two dudes, Terry Huss, shout out, awesome. Uh, he's like kind of the first guy that gave me a couple of lessons and that was around the time period that I was auditioning for Crown. So this is 2002 winter going into 2003 summer. And he coached me, or yeah, coached me, mental coach, whatever you want to say, some private lessons. Uh, and then Mikey Thomas was also, who became a Cobra in 2004, uh, who kind of ripped out or whatever. But he uh, also gave me a lot of lessons. And those are the two guys that basically gave me, like, kind of the roadmap to the audition process and how to improve. And they were also just really good. I mean, they had and. Around that time, I went to DCI for the first time. Like, I guess that was 2001 was my technical first DCI finals. And I just sat in the lot and watched Glassman 1, and I didn't even know what the heck was going on. And then <laughs> and then Blue Devil's truck pulls in, and I'm like, see ya. And then I just go over there and wait for two hours while they unload like an idiot. And then finally I get to see them, and you know that it's was like those, It's like those people crazy. that are
0: like in the lot, and you know when a group yeah. gets in the lot, they're going to just stretch and... <laughs> Tune Mm. drums, but they're like, I gotta get my spot. I know that. I gotta gotta watch them. Nobody does it first. I figured out. The blue coats make me laugh the most with that because they get there and chill for like twenty minutes while the staff is like tuning drums a little bit and they're just like having their little pre-warm up huddles and stuff. This year they're like over there there taking pictures and shit. As soon as they show up, yeah, in between exercises, as soon as they roll up, like thirty minutes from doing anything still. There's like thirty kids just like. Yeah. Selfies. Yeah, man. So they're just, you got to sign those autographs. Famous, you know. You get that swagger going. Like, Go watch the cadets they're... throw down over there. The cadets were throwing yeah. down like 30 feet away and you yeah. just wanted to sit there and watch them stretch. But yeah, there's always like an eye-opening
1: games. experience when like you first like see someone who like shows you how to play the right way. Like, oh, this – I was not doing this correctly. <laughs> yeah, like
2: I don't even – I don't even think I knew how good Glassman was. I didn't – at the time I was so inexperienced. I didn't know how good they were like other than the typical like – I'm in awe of how clean this looks and like, obviously it's good or better than what I'm used to in high school. But and then the blue devils came in and it was like, I need to go see blue devils. Cause I was obviously obsessed with them. And like, I remember yeah. the first thing I ever saw on VHS in my band room was like 2000 cadets and 2000 uh, Cavaliers. That's what it was. And I was like, what is that? And I saw the Cadets Drum feature that year in 2000. And I was like, I want to do that. What is this activity? I didn't know it's what fun. It's funny Benet you was, say you know? that
0: because the 2000 Cadets feature is what made me want to be a cadet yeah. for like five years. I never wanted to be a cadet, but I, I don't think a, I did. But I was taught I like, always wanted I to be a know, Blue Devil. A Wayday
2: Blue. A Wayday Blue, yeah. Great like show. Yeah, it's just like that Blue Devil's aura that everyone can kind of obviously relate to in some way, I guess. And that's what made me go watch them in the lot or wait around for an hour and a half. They used to like warm anything. up in sunglasses. like Oh, yeah, dude. They didn't care. They had their thing going and... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they, they all still have long hair like and sunglasses. They on. still kind of do. Like they yeah. did the, the incense thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, that. that's actually funny because Roger, Roger was actually the snare tech there. in one. So I remember like this long-haired guy there, and then this snare line who was super Californian and had you know like just they just you know, different slang or whatever. The vibe. Yeah, and I really liked it. You know, they were impressive in, in their own way. And like I, and then after that, that's when I kind of started drumming obviously a lot more, and then everything just kind of started leading towards. That drum line that I tried out for in high school, that was the independent group. Uh, and that's when I met, like I said, Mikey and Terry and like all of these guys who were just like, whoa, you guys have done it. Like you've done some of the best scenario lines that I look back on now and go, man, oh, one of two glass moves, that like so good. So and then the group folded, of course, then we went to WGI finals. Anyways, they made this like little trip out of it. So this must have been for the, the – yeah, this would have been 2003 WGI. So I go to WGI finals and I see Rhythm X for the first time. And it's, they're just like so goofy. They got like these little 13-inch pearl snares on stands. And like they're, like a lot of them are Glassman. There was noticeably I think four of them or so that were in that 02 Glassman line. It was like Andrew um, and stuff. Yeah, right? it was Andrew, TJ. Uh, who else was it? Uh, Ryan. And I think Tim Keebler, I think, or some guy named Tim really tall. So, yeah. So, and then Josh Bricky, I'd recognize him from something. I don't remember. And like, it was just like, I could just tell there's a lot of snare out there and they were just funny. They were hilarious and a lot. And I was like, I'm really drawn to this group in a way, you know, you kind of feel that, but they're in Ohio and I'm in North Carolina. So I didn't really think much of it. And then I saw RCC and a couple of other groups, Mystique, because one of my friends had uh, I had met at Crown, eventually had marched Mystique. So I was kind of just trying to drink in like what WGI was because I didn't really understand it because my group essentially folded and like, you know, you see that top level stuff and you're like, wow, this is cool. And then essentially, I, then I made Crown. So moving forward from that, after WGI was over, I was just in the process of of making Crown. And then from there, that's kind of what kicked off the sweet the start of the career of, uh, in the drum corps so so
1: once you left crown or decided to leave crown like why <laughs> settle why'd you settle on blue coast like what made you
2: uh well it all revolves around rhythm x essentially like once i got in the x i think that it just propelled my drumming in a different way like like crown gave me a lot of fundamentals and made me way better because i was terrible and i didn't think you know you just you just start to realize you're not as good as you thought you were or like you know coming where you're from and so crown just kind of you know beat me beat me up a little bit put me in my place I would say and then you know when you have Jeff Queen playing on your drum, uh, perfectly every day it's kind of like, cool man well that's awesome I suck, uh, <laughs> but no and you know it was just a couple of things with that and then as I marched through the mechs more I developed a lot of great relationships and you know after 04 crown I wasn't really excited about doing drum corps again it was kind of just like. A weird scenario where, like, there was a a staff change that was kind of happening, and I just didn't really know the staff really well, and I wasn't really comfortable going out there. Like, I didn't want to, like, you know, I don't want to say waste the summer, but I didn't want to go out there and, like, without getting some experience with them. Yeah, yeah. So I just decided to kind of take that summer off, and then Josh and some other people have been talking about going out to Bluecoats. 'Cause Aaron Riggleman, who was a who was a cobra or of March for the Mexican Airline, she was the section leader at Blue Coats. So, um, yeah, and funny enough, I'm like oh, at 04 with the max when I auditioned there, I was it was like disastrous, you know, like I was surrounded by I think five of the So there were seven that made it in oh four and five of them I believed had tapped off their drum course in airlines the previous summer. (laughs) So it was like five incredibly experienced people, and then like Josh, who was really good and trained great, and then me, this like southern boy from North Carolina who like had who played way too much arm and you know doesn't know anything. My vocabulary was, I would say, still limited at the time. So yeah, we just kind of met Aaron and, you know, conversations just kind of kept going. And it was like this whole blue coats hype was kind of coming up with Mike Macintosh. And, you know, and I just, we, me and Josh were like becoming really good friends at the time. And I was like, man, I think that would be great. So we, we both kind of last minute were talking about trying to see if we could audition. So we, we emailed Mike and he was really, really cool. And he was like, yeah, guys, come out. We're about to, we're trying to make decisions really soon. And then Josh ended up going out to that camp and like maybe in January or February. It was pretty late at the time. Yeah. And then I didn't go. And then Josh gets a contract and I'm like, Oh, so I basically just wrote it off. Like I wasn't going to be able to go now. I just, I I can't remember why I didn't go. It was probably something stupid, like a girlfriend or just making dumb choices. So I, (laughs) yeah, something dumb. And I was just like, I'm not going to go. And I just, I don't know. It could have been money too. I'm not really certain at the time, but eventually I, I joked with Josh and I was like, Hey man, let me know if, uh, let me know if they cut someone and I'll see if I can like audition for the spot or whatever. And he and he kept giving me like crap about it. It's like, dude, you know, someone's gonna quit. And I'm like, no one's gonna quit. Like who quit the snare line? Like back in the day, I guess that's not really true. There were people that quit yeah that's when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I guess <laughs> fake I like news. I like yeah, it's fake news for sure. I definitely say that and I just vividly had a memory of my first year at Crown with like two people literally quitting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or like getting hurt or something. So anyways, yeah, so move ins comes around, and it's probably the Bluecoats used to do, they kind of still come in a little early, I think. Uh, but we used to go to Mike McIntosh's house for like a week or so before move ins, which was super sweet. It That's was like cool. just real fun. We would drum uh, and just, you know, it was pretty chill. And Josh calls me like three days before their move ins, and he was like, Ree. And he'd call me Ree because my drum core name is Ree Ree. And he was like, "So you, I was just like, no. <laughs> as soon as he said my name off I was like no because I knew immediately what he was going to be saying and he was like Ree, you, you're coming I'm like no I'm not you're joking so I thought they were joking for the longest time on this phone and then all of a sudden Mike McIntosh gets on the phone he's like "Jerry, what's up this is Mike McIntosh I'm like no it's not he's like yeah it is he's, like, 100% you he's is. like you want to come play some sweet beats this summer and I was like I'll be there in three days, and I, like that was it. Like I just showed up, and and I think it was just kind of meant to be, you know. So it basically just stemmed from friendships and and just kind of liking the style that Bluecoats was heading in that direction with Mike's beats, and and you just kind of knew at the time that this was something that was kind of cool and different.
1: The making of, like, yes, yeah,
2: yeah, and with the Rhythm X connection, it was we knew that. We kind of had this thing, you know, maybe we didn't talk about it openly at the beginning, but I feel like we all kind of knew that it would be cool to have this connection there where we could just start funneling in people and like get good dudes to go out there, like people that we know. And then I don't know, you know, maybe maybe it would it would carry over to Rhythm X a little bit. And it definitely did. I yeah, mean, it
1: like, became like what Blue Devils were to RCC. Yes,
2: which, I, you know, obviously you guys know really well, like you see that connection, you know, like even 0-3, 03, 3 RCC, they had like all the seven snares were the guys from like Blue Devils to 3 yeah. Like, I mean, there were more in Blue Devils, but I think all those seven guys, if I'm not mistaken, were just in Blue Devils together that summer. Or, yeah, going into that summer, which they won a world championship, you know, like it's just insane. So that's basically how it happened. And then I just kind of got lucky, you know, I got like a phone call, the... A guy quit in the snare line, uh, and, yeah, it was actually uh, the section leader. Yeah, the section leader quit uh, like, for whatever Was he reasons. already at Mac's
0: house for, like, early Oh, mornings? yeah. He, and he was, like, something yeah. pissed him off? And he-
2: no, I don't really know. I can't get into the details. I don't really know. I just know that he, something happened, and he just had to, he had to leave. And Josh Bricky was like, I know a guy, and they wanted to obviously bring in someone who just, had experience, yeah, yeah, and I and I at least had experience at the time, so I came in and like I jumped right in. It was so awkward because I I'll never forget the first experience, I'd like walk in there to Rio Grande, which is man, the schools like or like the building that we slept in is on top of this huge hill, so every day at the end you had to like walk up. It was just miserable. But uh I walk up to the snare sectional, they're all on stand, so that's a good sign for me <laughs> at the time because I'm used to the rhythm X. Uh, the way back then uh so they're on stands and tim maynard was the snare tech so you know cadet awesome dude and uh yeah it was nine people i'm sorry eight people and i was like so where do i go i just kind of assumed i would go on the end like they would just close the hole but they had moved eric schreiber to center and they put me in the center three of nine so i like excused myself in between Excuse like me, two <laughs> people who are like who've been there for like you know, Justin Lewis was one of them, and he had been there probably since the camps, and, uh, yeah. and then Eric Shriver. So I was between Eric Shriver and Justin Lewis, and then— Wait,
0: wait, like that Justin Lewis? The Justin Lewis. He started in 05? Yes. Yeah, he was super young. 5, 6, So i guess eight, four years in that bath, I thought, for whatever reason, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. He was great. He was super young, wasn't.
2: but he was talented. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then outside of Justin was Josh— So Josh was on my side, and then, (laughs) yeah, it was just funny, because it was, like, awkward, kind of like, hey, guys, I'll I'll get on the end and just kind of hang on and try to figure out, because exercises were so long, awesome, but just kind of, like, a lot to take in, so I was just, like, it was kind of embarrassing at first, because just the struggling of, like, breaking and, like, just trying to memorize all that exercise, all the exercises were, was kind of tough initially, uh, just with all that amount of, you know, the volume of of stuff I had to learn, Mm -hmm. so, but then, you know, after, like, a week, it was fine, so. That's pretty sweet. So that's kind of how and I got there. And unique story. Yeah. So then you aged
1: out. It's yes.
2: Then I aged out there and I had the best time of my life there, man. Blue Coats. Like, I loved Crown also. Like, the, the administration at Crown was great. And uh, and they were growing up. Like, Matt Harloff just got there, you know. So I didn't really have a bad time there. It was just those other reasons I stated earlier. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Blue Coats, I could say I definitely was more mature there as a person. So I had I just had way more relationships there. I, I went out of my way to, to work harder like, being social and outside of the drum line and just meeting a lot of people and I just it felt more like a family and to me and and that part of that was myself. That was the shorts. biggest difference
0: between my year at Blue Stars and versus Blue Coats. Like mm. my 2010 at Stars, I literally hang out hung out with no one but the drum line. Trying to fight to survive. Like, yeah, I knew the front ensemble, is. obviously. Yeah. That the, you weren't a percussionist. Like, I probably never even hardly talked to you all summer or right. acknowledged your existence. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, exactly. Like, what but it I mean wasn't necessarily because I'm an antisocial person. It was, I yeah. was dying every day. Like, oh, I, dude, was, I was your first summer is a <sighs> kick in the butt, man. Like Struggle it's, bus. It's, for sure. <laughs> I was trying not to die. And it was, I was not thinking about being social. I was like, I just need to get through this block. All right, cool. Yeah, I and ta- I
2: don't know how it was for you guys your first year. Like, I mean, when you're taught by, I guess it's just really the staff. It depends on your staff, obviously, and the way that their philosophies or training methods are. But, I mean, I remember back in the day, like, we had Alan Joannis, who was an old-school cadet guy. I'm pretty sure he was a 93 cadets. Mm. Uh, Alan the guy Joann- that taught
0: me to drive in high school was a 93 cadet. Cool. Well, yeah, Eric Ward. No, 94. Eric sorry, 94. 94. Ward. Eric
2: Ward was a 93 cadet, too. He taught us the rhythm actually early when I was there. But, yeah, this guy, Alan Joannis, was a savage, but, like, in the best ways, you know, like, and I'll never forget that audition, my first one. He was like, dude, we like you a lot. We like you a lot. He's got his palm pilot out. And he's like, making, He's like, he's like yourself, making, Jared. yeah. He's like making notes to your face, like shaking his head right in front of you as you play. And you're like, oh my! you like, you just feel so terrible. And he's like, man, we like you, dude. But if you can't come back and play grids, forwards and backwards and off the left, we're gonna cut your ass. And I was like, okay. And that's when I went home, and I've, I i do not know to this day, I'm, I've ever practiced so much in such a small amount of time, like, and it was just the best thing I needed, though. If you, don't you know. Come like come back
0: the figured out, you're out of here.
2: Basically he gave me the ultimatum and I thought he I think he knew that what that would do to me and then I had to do that for basically five months straight before I got a contract. It was like incredibly stressful. But wow. I wasn't good, you know, I wasn't good enough at the time. So I think it was what I needed. But yeah, so those type of guys being on your staff, you know, that can kind of shape your experience your first year so much and I think that's why it was so like kind of intense. And they knew we were young, and we, they were like, you know, they were beating us up and like making us do the things that we need. And then you're just hanging on, man, and like you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to be the worst one, you don't want to like struggle, and but it kind of just happens, like you I was, get through I it. I was lucky
0: too. My first summer, Joel Hilbert is probably still, probably still the best snare tech I've ever had. Oh yeah, It's a Cobra. Like Joel was is. just <laughs> Joel was Joel took nine dudes that year who were all bad at snare drum. Yeah. Like, sorry if any of you other eight are out there listening to this. We were all really Maybe bad. They were probably bad. Yeah, we, we, were, we <laughs> yeah. were all You're really bad. definitely bad. bad. We, we were bad. Were, <laughs> no, oh, we, sure. spent, we, had a, we had an extra block. It was optional for the mm-hmm. staff at, at move-ins after snack. So, like, it was like an hour, like, option block, they called it. And so we had snare subs, like, inside on stands working on rudiments. We literally broke down paradiddles because we were all so bad at paradiddles. And Tom Monks writes a lot of paradiddles, so like, yeah, he writes a few. It can't be something you're bad <laughs> at to play his book. So we broke down just like the typical like just paradiddle breakdown. Mm-hmm. As a Division One drum corps snare line, because we were that Fine. bad and experience. Fine to me. I'm glad that enough. you said Division One. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Division
1: One. Kind of clarify.
0: If people don't do it enough,
2: probably. No, no.
0: Joel. Seriously, after like day Low four, class- Joel was like, they "All right, you guys are really bad at paradiddles, and we play a million of them, so we're just going to work on that for like three days yeah, straight." For sure. Okay. I was very, I was very fortunate with who, who like, took my drum corps V card basically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: I didn't well my first year I didn't even know like what was going on like I was actually pretty well versed as far as like re vocabulary coming out of high school because like I had one of those you're talking about Eric Ward yeah. like Eric Ward went to college with the guy who taught me at Moorhead oh, yeah. so they were all on the same drum line for like three years together at Moorhead and they just like all did the same things and so like I was pretty well versed but like I, just, I didn't know how hard it was so I, I was kind of just like blissfully ignorant like mm. i was like yeah this is hard but like i didn't know that it was like that just, hard, to you, like, this yeah. is hard. Like, for you it's just hard Good for you so like i want to cry every night like
2: i'm hurting so bad I'm everything terrible. hurts so yeah. like oh night
1: Crown, like my first year and like the show was super challenging but i was like i guess this is just how oh, they work. always are like Jeez, i don't know <laughs>
0: yeah that
2: was really physical also very physical
1: but show. the other
0: guys were like this is so hard and i was like i guess yeah Whatever. that's how blue stars was we right. I, I remember getting remember getting to rhythm x auditions in 2011 and like seeing Travis again, who I'd marched that summer with, and, like, meeting Dan Shack and Tom yep. and yep. all the other guys from that from that winter. And I remember Dan Shack, when, like, the first or second audition, was like, man, you guys ran your butts off all summer. I was like, what do you mean? Like, it was the same deal. Our drill yeah. was really hard, but I didn't know. I, I just thought that was drum corps, and yeah. everyone was doing that. And so I finally, after he told me that, went back with Evan, actually, and watched the finals DVD and watched, like, Cabby's show or um, – any other you could think of in the top twelve. <laughs> watch their show, and you're watching them just like oh do to do, We're just gonna go over here and then yeah. go over there, and then you watch like our show, or you watch Crown in 09, like Evan was saying, and like oh we're over here, like now we're freaking all the way across the field, like we just watch it yeah. run around the freaking football field and
2: design man, it's all about design. Oh, sometimes, uh, yeah, I think that there's just it's just very apparent that there are certain drill riders who love to do that, and then when you put especially Crown, I mean when you look at the type of books they have to play not just drumline but the the hornline I mean lord like they're just crushing the hornline game right now and they're executing really well and they're also just doing insane drill at times and I think that's just you know it could be a product of that the part of that design and how they do their shows I Mm -hmm. mean it's pretty consistent with with how they do things and I think it's cool that that sets them apart in a different way in that category
1: every group kind of has like their thing yeah
2: they do like
1: you go watch BD and they're gonna they're gonna move immaculately but they're also they're also not gonna move a whole (laughs) lot they do
2: very well in fact they move the best they definitely move the best and i have i had a former student who was it was just aged out in blue devils and just seeing him move it or the mechs last year when i was teaching there like you can just totally see the difference in the training and the thought process and i think it's impressive and luckily he works for us at lebanon now and man, we get to, he gets to run the visual program and we got second in visual in our circuit last year, I yeah. believe, and the year before. So it's just crazy to like, you know, just to kind of get the differences of, of approaches and you kind of understand it and then you get to make a decision on if you like it or agree with it and then, yeah. you, you know, apply
0: it. And- Sp- speaking of BD, can we talk for a second about that <laughs> that uh, that quad cam Mm-hmm.
2: I haven't seen all of it. this past summer. Yeah.
0: Is it a full
2: run-through? It's yeah. a full run-through. Okay. From finals week.
0: I don't think their quad line marched and played faster than 120, mm-hmm. except like three times in the entire 11 and a half Maybe like a show. total of like a minute. Or 30, a minute of the time seconds. was <laughs> really? marching and playing faster than Because they do a lot of halftime. Yeah. Because like temp- the tempos
1: were like really high, like really fast, so like over 200, so they're just like marching like 110. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Doing he also time, didn't
0: so. move and play with his quads on until like the three and a half minute mark of his show. Yeah, because the beginning wasn't the They're, beginning the 15 things. Yeah, and that was cool, but like that drill sure. wasn't hard. Uh, like, and, and they win.
2: Yeah. Well, what, what are
0: your thoughts on this, Jared? <laughs> I, I think that they... Are they just playing the game better than everybody else, essentially?
2: Well, I think the Blue Devils are the best, in my opinion, the best at, at the DCI game. But they also execute at the highest levels in a lot of ways. That. I 100% um, agree with that. I think that... I don't know because I'm not a DCI judge and nor do I ever want to be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I, I don't ever see myself actually want to be a judge. I do think judging could improve, obviously, like a lot of things could. But I think the the Blue Devils, when you just watch them and listen to them, that is just step one. It's just that the, the box is checked off. It's like this sounds incredible mm-hmm. and they look incredible. And when you look incredible, I think that, just does something different for the judges, which it should in a way. Um, and I think when they, you know, they do their shows the way they do and the way they design, that they can, quote unquote, I guess, get away doing things that maybe other groups can't. But they've they built that up over many yeah. years, though. And, you know, and I don't bring up that video
0: to like poo-poo on them like you mm. guys didn't do what everybody else did. Sure. I bring that up more of in the sense of they found a way to package their whole product. Right to be still rewarded immensely yep. for executing that. And you forget, the judges or fans forget, mm-hmm. they're so enthralled in, in the execution they're putting on the field and the level they're achieving at and the design product at that at that level mm-hmm. that you kind of either don't notice they're not running around like everybody else is, right. or you end up not caring.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't... I, when I watched, I only got to really see their show, I think, once... It may have been from the side on DCI Finals because one of my students was aging out there, so I really wanted to see his last show. And then when they won, I got to watch Encore in a really good seat, like on the 50. And I was like, this is just insane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing what I know, at least knowing what I know now about the activity, and also being in numerous uh, critiques this summer myself with Crossman or that summer, last summer. Uh, I kind of know what it's like to kind of battle in there a little bit and just kind of have a different perspective now a little bit from judging and the, the critiques and kind of what they're trying to see. And to your point, uh, it kind of it is kind of a weird scenario because when you're in a lower tier core at times, it's like you're asked to do more or you're asked to do all these things. You never and then, get the benefit of the doubt. Right. And you probably shouldn't yet. But I think if you execute... I don't
0: think BD should get the benefit of the doubt.
2: I th- I think if it's executed well, Anyone should. you yeah. should get credit. Like, yeah, you should. Get is credit one group is execution. group A
1: getting credit for something, a skill level that group B is not yeah. also getting credit for?
2: Yeah, and if B D is winning effect, you know, like general effect or something. And that means like their show is being perceived as the best show in DCI, essentially. And then you start getting into the nitty gritty like, well how are they moving? Okay, the best, obviously, or at least always. last year and there's almost a- always 2014. There was one year it was just like unreal. Absolutely. They had like twenties on the field or something and I was just like, man, and it's so I don't know, good for them. But it's just one of those things where you're right, like you have to you have to understand when you're a certain type of core or where you're at. Your goal is to just do what you can do really well and set your kids up for the most success possible while trying to kind of set yourselves apart in a way, whether that's musically, like get crossing with Andrew and his packages, uh, just trying to establish your own style. Because you don't really want to be the same as anyone else, obviously, but you want to get credit because you feel like you know, you're know you giving your kids a lot of responsibilities. So and I, I've never had to battle as much in in critiques as I had last summer because I did a little bit more time on the road this uh, this past summer that I did. And I had to go into several critiques and just try to convince these guys that what we were doing uh, in some spots, they were missing. And, you know, it's, it was pretty cool because a lot of them are very receptive. And then, you know, then I would leave tour for three weeks and I wouldn't really know what was going on necessarily. Or, you know, I would keep in touch with Josh about stuff. But it's it's hard battle, man. And, you know, Blue Devils have been there. They've, been, they've not always been at the top and they've worked their way up there. And I think that... Every year, they're going to be. There's a lot of criticism about them, um, and people love. You know, you love or hate them, and
0: people love to hate. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and they love people, to hate people. people love women, an underdog. So. Underdog. They want to see the yep. uh, the dominant one yep. be dethroned. That's why yep. when when Phantom won in 08, the crowd was like throwing babies onto the field. And their show was great. Yeah, sure. But, like I like it. Hadn't happened. Yeah, in right, a while. In, in a while.
1: And and yeah. And that's why I like a bunch of people wanted Bluecoats to win last year too, or 2016 because they've never done it. Like, yeah, it's something it's people just like a good storyline. They like but a good narrative. Speaking of sure. like Bluecoats and stuff, and like you were at Crossman, so like you were just talking about battling for Crossman. Like you guys were what eleventh?
2: Uh, tenth, tenth or eleventh? Yeah, we were tenth, I believe, the year before. So you obviously had and experience. Then, yeah, we dropped a place last year, I believe. It's crazy. If so I'm not mistaken. Obviously
1: worked with Crossman, and then you also worked with Bluecoats before. Did you yeah. do much critique stuff with Bluecoats, or was that no, like no, not no. your thing? Uh,
2: the Bluecoats thing was very random. I basically had taken a hiatus. A yeah, no, it was, it was super was strange because uh, I'm obviously a snare drummer primarily. That's all I focused on for so long. And my good friend Ryan Lamb, who is awesome, uh, he's kind of really changed and shaped. The, the base world, in my opinion, in DCI, or he did for a very long time. And obviously the bluebies kind of has been a thing for a long time, essentially. But uh, yeah, so randomly, I, I basically just got out of the activity after 2006. I aged out 2006 and then 2007 indoor. Even I didn't really teach anything. Like I was basically in school, didn't get my photography degree. And one time in like, you know, 2012, I'm like, I had moved to Ohio at this point already. So I was teaching some high school stuff with Centerville and some other groups and, you know, Ryan Lamb was like, hey, man, do you want to work at Bluecoats?" And I was like, what? I was kind of like, I remember I was at a Starbucks with Courtney. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what what job? And he's like, well, our base, we kind of lost one of our base guys. And, I, you know, I was just curious if you had any interest. And I was like, yeah. So I said yes. And then I got off the phone and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I just kind of like, I don't know, when you teach high school for so long, it's just – you kind of wonder like how you're going to do at the drum corps level. You kind of wonder the learning curve is going to be like, and I just didn't know. So when I went there, I just got asked to basically teach like one of the best bass sections in DCI every year. And with one of the the biggest guys that I respect the most in that, in that community at the time. And we had marched X together. So we we obviously were friends, but like, man, I just felt a lot of pressure Uh, and that was my only job there. Like I essentially, you know, I mean, I would give some comments here, there, and there's been some times where I've done some snare sectionals when, uh, staff was low on tour. But, um, yeah, so I mainly stuck with the bass drums and then maybe occasionally from time to time, would teach some snares and maybe throw out some battery comments, like, like something like, Hey guys, can we stop messing around? Or like, we need to take this seriously right now or something. So yeah, (laughs) I started very, very small. And then I wasn't, I think I did sit on, maybe on some critiques, but I don't, I don't would say I didn't lead anything. Like I was probably just listening and trying to learn yeah, if I yeah. ever did. And maybe like, there'd be some nights where the drum staff would go together for sure. And then, you know, uh, the first year Mike, Mike if Mike Jackson was on, he would do that. And then Roger after that. So no, I rarely ever, if ever said anything in those. I months. just imagine
1: like a critique going in for like a group like the Bluecoats, you, you would feel maybe like you have more leverage,
2: um, or something. Well, I mean, I guess it depends, you know, like I remember there being times where like, you know, the fight for drum titles was so, could be so intense at times through over the years. Cause I was there through, uh, through 2015. So yeah, 12, did, yeah. like four years there. And each year as we had some really great lines and some lines were pretty good. And then there's obviously their competitors that were doing well. You, you kind of have to, it kind of felt similar in a way across them sometimes where you had to go in there and really battle you know, like to try to battle to make sure they were crediting certain things. And when you have a, you know, a Tom Rarick book, which I personally really love his style of writing and it's very unique. And And I feel like you can sing his books as songs almost with no music to them. I think they're yeah. very musical. And you got to go in there and like, you got to pitch to make sure they're getting certain things and they're in front to back. And, you know, Jeff Prosper is always one of those guys who like, he can almost just hear everything front to back and like just weird stuff on the field. And that was like, awesome. But then some judges are like, They don't know, so as soon as you educate them and tell them that, then the next show you beat, you maybe beat a group. And some of that could also be because we just played better, obviously. So playing, playing clean, number one, Uh, never hurts. Yeah, step one. Yeah, uh, playing clean. Yeah, so yeah, it just kind of depends. Like you know, it's like any other judge tip you get now. If you're teaching a high school group, if it's dirty, we're just like, well, I just go to the kids and I'm like, guys, like we're not. This is unacceptable. Yeah, if it's dirty, you don't really have a
1: leg to stand on. Yeah.
2: I think they did a, I think they did a pretty good job of like you know being being pretty humble in terms of that. It wasn't like we played bad there. It was like well, it's the judge you know. It would no, it's just like guys, let's just play this book clean and we're going to do well. You know, and like I think it was one of those 2014. There was one year at Allentown and they like crushed it and got first, and then people thought they were going to win drums. I don't I forgot what year it was, and it, you just know ever no guarantees. You know, That's yeah. whoever shows up and plays great and is consistent and they deserve it, and then they win. It's fine.
0: Yep, it's the way it should be. That's exactly so, the
2: way it should be, for sure.
0: I, I may have asked you this question in the past, but I'll I'll, I'll just say it again here. I don't remember your answer, but uh, no, I really don't. Okay. Um, Evan and I, we went to DCI finals this year. The first thing I said to him after seeing the first few groups we watched in the lot, I felt like. The overall level of achievement from most groups was not as high as it usually is from a clarity standpoint. I Who, who like, did you like or see or what? What did, who did you think about? Uh, I thought the cadets were really good. Well, let's I, run down who so was the first, the first group first we, group saw? we saw. Was scouts? Mm-hmm. I thought they were pretty dirty, pretty bad. Okay. Uh, the next group we watched was was blue stars next. I'm trying to go in reverse order. Blue stars were around there. Blue stars were great. There's still a lot. It was a little. It was little stuff. I felt yeah, like yeah. everyone was, was giving stuff, up yeah. a ton of little stuff. Mm-hmm. Like um, there's stuff popping out, like in the quad line and the center yeah. lines, yeah. all over the place. We saw
1: Crossman, which I, we loved. The thank book, you. The book. Uh, well, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I've told Josh, and obviously, you guys are good friends, but like, yeah. I felt like the book maybe could have been harder for the kids that you had, but they definitely like played it well, and it was balanced and like played some crispy tap five. They that's played for sure. some crispy tap fives. Crispy um, tap fives, baby. But it's they were... Green. I mean, it was clean, though. Other groups I felt like were trying to do too much. Like, Phantom I felt like was trying to do way too much and it was just... Yeah. I sin- mean, I guess... Sinfully dirty. Except oh, they, for their baseline. Yeah, Phantom, baseline was Phantom definitely
2: had a lot of notes. I, I didn't really get to... hard. See, their show was just Yeah, hard, it was really hard. Really I didn't hard. get to see them a lot, honestly, but I, I did see them from the stands at a show one time at, like, one of those... I don't know if it was championship performances or, like, the champion Tour of Champions. It was some show where we went on early... And for some reason we were there, and then we got to see like a lot of the top groups. And I went in and watched Phantom and a couple of other groups. And I just remember Phantom playing really fast and for long periods of time. And I was like, yeah, "Wow, that's That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it looked real physical.
1: I was not on the Boston hype train. Not not sold yet. I like, they didn't see were, the, I didn't really, They were, I didn't, I they were a impressed. lot better. I wasn't.
0: Impro- I was There was just. I didn't get to see them. First of the all, the drum, drum tuning was terrible. terrible. The snare drums sounded awful. They they were, like, what did you not like about it? it. On the they were so cranked. The tops were high, were low. I was like, like, those
1: can't feel... Like, I just heard it, and I was like, there's no way that's comfortable. What kind uh, of... Drum. What, what drums were they? Were they Yamaha like, and Reno. Yeah.
0: Were so, they Yamahas?
2: I mean, Bluecoats coat, blue make Yamaha sound pretty good. Yeah. Depending on times.
1: <laughs> uh, they... Bluecoats have made Yamaha drums sound good. Like, 2012, they sounded good. Ever since then, I feel like they
2: have slowly...
1: Declined,
2: <laughs> slowly <laughs> you know. declined, and not uh, holding sound. anything back. You—that's the point. What do you not like about it? They're low
1: and they're wet. They're yeah, too wet and too low. Low bottoms. Too so it's just wet guts.
2: Low for your like taste. Like you would never, you, you personally wouldn't tune that way.
1: Yeah, like I don't think it sounds that, like uh, a of snare drum. Like I wanted to hear it in my head. Like, I think no, they're shit. so low, and that I think it might it, make like, it hard for it.
0: Yeah. Okay. that's maybe is, is what they're going for. I think they're just so low to a point that. Maybe the members of the snare line can't effectively hear, it's not crisp enough to hear articulation well enough to play clean together all the time.
2: I really don't know. I mean, did you, did you, have you asked anyone in the, I mean, just, have you asked, have you spoken with anyone who has a different, like, perspective on the sound, like, being a player in the line?
0: we've talked to Aaron Bailey about it. Yeah. Um, Who was the center in 2016 and March 15 as well. Right. Yeah. And he basically said, yeah, they're... Pretty low, and it did make it hard to hear sometimes. To
2: his hearing, it was also difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I have, yeah. I mean, I know they they have like a, I don't know, I I can't speak a ton on it because I don't know the 100% philosophy. Uh, I just, I I know that they really, and I can understand this, they really truly appreciate trying to get a true tone out of the drum in their mind. Yeah, yeah. So not trying, like, there are a lot of groups who try to, like, put so much tape on the bottom and, like, they try to dry out the sound a lot or do whatever you want. And I think that that's just a way that when they hear when they hear snare drums, it's just a sound that they prefer from like the way they tune out at and you know out west. And, and obviously, some people do, do
1: things to also, I don't know, benefit the overall package, like not just like the, what it sounds like in the lot, but like yeah, what it sounds exactly. like in the dome with the with the core. And I get that, dude. But.
2: And that's dude, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I learned at. Well, I learned it at Crossman for sure, but um, I like how Josh tunes snare drums and. Josh is always, always making adjustments if he needs to, like, he's never just set them one way, like, he'll try something, he'll get some feedback from some people he thinks is very trustworthy, or like, someone's opinion who he really respects, and then he'll make small adjustments, he does it all the time at X, and uh, he gets a real crispy sound uh, that I personally enjoy, but, um, but we were talking about bass heads, like, bass heads are the biggest thing, um, yeah. it's one of the things that Bluecoats, a, lo- a lot of people loved it, like, in the lot, the, ba- the bass drum tuning at Blue Coats is so like enjoyable for a lot of people. Like You hear this pitches really well, and usually it's DADFA, right? So it's just D, yep. D, F, J, R, P, A, but then some years we've tried to take them up a half step, and then you just pull heads like crazy, uh, especially th- number three. It's just like the worst. Uh, I think that was a like 24 <laughs> or something. But yeah, it was just like that head would always pull on that like E flat or whatever it was. But anyways, uh, whatever that tuning scheme would be. But there are a lot of people who try to make arguments that like like I think it was uh Column and Nut. Column and Nut is all about I think the thinner ply bass head that really projects really loud. So in the stadiums you really hear those drums. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that some people over the over the seasons, like when I was not at Blue Goods anymore, like I would overhear conversations regarding like the tuning where people love it a lot, but they don't feel like sound projects. In the stadiums. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and because with the Glucose of, tuning? Um, yeah, may, well, specifically, some people would say that. Um, others could be just groups who do the same tuning scheme. It's also the muffling scheme as well. Like how much foam you have sticking out past the shell, how much is touching the head. So Some people believe in like putting the foam on the outside of the head that kind of looks terrible in some people's opinions or whatever. Like, I think it kind of looks like trash, but I mean, cadets go out there or those drum lines go out there and they play with super loud projection bass drums. And the one thing that it, it always comes back to us as a staff when we're discussing these things is the judging community, what they think about it. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you can think whatever you want. But part of playing the game is making sure that, like, you're listening to the judging community a little bit and you're trying to ask yourself those questions like, well, does this have some type of merit that we should think about doing? And I think, you know, when you get locked into your tuning scheme, like especially bass drum tuning, which is, can be so specific and when you have it, it can sound so good like at, at Bluecoats for so long. And it's like, man, that just sounds so good in the lot and it sounds so good in the mix or whatever. And then it's hard to want to change that because of one person's opinion or one judge or a couple of judges. And uh, that's one thing I crossed from this year. we I think we, we finally we finally switched bass heads uh, to that thinner, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was a thinner head or just making sure the foam wasn't sticking so far out past the shell. So, and the idea was that just bass projection, you know, trying to get the yeah. bass sound to cut through more. and. So I'm not saying I don't agree with like the old school way of doing it. I just feel like it's something worth having a discussion over if you're constantly getting feedback on a tape saying that your bass drums aren't projecting in, in, in box two or something. I think it's something that a lot of people don't want to do, which is sacrifice the lot sound a little bit to try to get the good field sound. Like, try and, to get the that's ideal the thought field I sound. had
0: about the Blue coat snare drum tuning at this point. I was like, well, does the way they're doing it sound better in the dome venue? Or in certain well, venues what did you guys where it think? counts. I mean,
2: what did you guys think last year at DCI finals? Because I, I thought
1: that we were in Crossman the- and Cadets both had snare drums that sounded good outside and inside.
2: And what does that sound to you? Like, what is that when you hear it? What about it makes you go, "I think that sounds great"? Like, what is it? I think it's a little bit higher, right?
1: Um, and like you can hear the snare resonance, but it's not choked off. I felt like Boston's you... was super dry and, like, too short. Like, the sound was too short. Like, there was no resonance yeah. in it. Like, they had the patches on the bottom and they had the snares tight.
2: Yeah. I don't know if we did patches, but there's one thing at Coats that we were also doing at Crossman for a while, which I loved, was that they were taking that, like, packaging tape and just kind of putting it just like a square piece across the gut. Like, I think maybe over the snare guts on the, I forgot what side, and then maybe the other side equally, but it wasn't like a strip of tape that was... Coming directly across the bottom of the it head touching. Just,
0: it was just all it the was guts. It was sitting literally on the guts. guts. Yeah, I remember that.
2: Like, like in 2012 specifically. Yeah, yeah. And I remember they were trying a bunch of stuff like that. And I loved being there and seeing that. Because, you know, when you work with, like, Roger and, and Mike Jackson and, like, all these guys from California who are just killing it over there. Yep. And you get to, like, see the way they're doing things. It's, like, it's definitely really awesome and, like, different to, like, or just good to get that experience and kind of see that. Because I think tuning is a thing you're always trying to, like, get better at and master Because there's so many scenarios like we're talking about, you know, like making the lot sound great, which is so cool. Your show's in
0: Yeah,
2: and and you guys know very much how well important the lot experience is now. Like, the lot experience right now is a huge recruiting tool in a way. And what people, you know, the vibe that you give off, and like, I mean, other than just playing great, I think that there's a lot of kids in that today's society who are specifically drawn. To certain groups, just because of the way they look and the way—not just the way they drum, but the just demeanor. the way they, yeah, the demeanor, the way YouTube. they carry themselves, yeah—and YouTube is getting big or is huge now, so like everything's being documented, and I think a lot of groups are taking that to account. You know, like they're taking into like what type of exercises do we want to play, and uh, why are we playing them? You know, things like that. So yeah. I and mean, it's
1: just like you're so close. Like people have. Made the lot like its own show. Where mm-hmm. when you're in the stadium, you're however many yards away from the performers on the field. Yeah, yeah. But it's you're very in the personal. lot, you're like sitting like ten feet away from them. Yeah, person. it's
2: it's super personal and like just you know it's very fun and I think it can it can do great things and there are just some groups who have very different approaches with it. Like some groups don't really they don't look like they care about it. I mean at Crossman, I think that we really just want to make sure the kids are set up to play great and. I would say we didn't care about the lot sequence in a way that, like, we're not trying to give off some type of demeanor that, like, makes people think we have some, like, crazy, like, vibe or something. I think we just wanted to be good at executing and having a great technique, yeah. a good sound, uh, play the beats as, as good as we can, and then, you know, do some stuff in different forms, of course, for listening stuff to get the kids' ears kind of dialed in. But I think with Josh and I, since we're a little bit older, uh, we we were always fans of just, like, you know, just trying to make them sound great and just look impressive, you know, so that yeah. all of our older friends could come around and be like, dude, they look great. Or like that technique looks good or, or that sound is awesome. And we care, we for sure care less about like overly impressing groups or people in well, different ways. You just said <laughs> the,
0: the word impressing groups. Do you think that all of these, this increased importance on putting on a good show in the lot has led to an increased performance vibe, but this is a this is a detail oriented activity at the end of the day mm-hmm. so especially well obviously the whole thing is detail oriented yeah, yeah, but yeah. the more performance you get into it and all the extraneous motion that goes along with that to that like badass vibe i guess mm-hmm. do you think people are abandoning not abandoning completely but like sacrificing sacrificing fundamentals and sacrificing like that detail oriented approach you need to have to achieve at the highest level, because as as all of this flowiness has come into drumming, like I said, little stuff was flying everywhere, right? And everyone's lot more so than any year that yeah, I, I've I, been in a lot of DCI finals since I aged out, and this year year more than any, mm-hmm. little stuff was flying, and this is the year I've seen the most of that like swag performance vibe of like getting into it really and all this body motion and yeah, I don't mean bod, I don't mean choreographed body, I mean just like just. You get into it, and you're the aggression that goes along right. with that. And you look at groups. You had all these phenomenal lines, like in the years you were marching, when it was much more of a "We're just going to be like military style, like regimented. not robots, but like very." We're
2: trying cont- to play perfect every exactly. single second. Exactly, like that's all we cared about. But and I'm not saying that's not what it is nowadays. Like to me, I yeah, I think there's a lot of different influences on it now for all the reasons we were kind of talking about previously, and with the shows being so hard. Now, in a different way, I feel like ugh, I think some of the clarity could just be the kids not being as comfortable with the show as they could be. You know, like maybe that's because groups are adjusting their shows midseason so much, or they're like putting on whole new closers, or like completely wiping out movements and rewriting, and not maybe giving the kids enough time to. I mean, I guess you have a lot of time in the summer, regardless. But you know what I mean, like yeah, even like you said, like if you guys were hearing a lot of ticks and a lot this 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 year. Or last summer, I mean, they had all summer to clean and let's say they changed something three weeks before finals. You have every day, all day essentially to get better, you know, with the shows here or there. And I don't know if it's enough time anymore with how hard these shows are getting potentially, or maybe the amount of notes they're playing. And then getting into like the styles, like some of these groups just kind of perform those ways. Like if you think about Blue Knights mm-hmm. and their approach to the drum, it's kind of catered in that California West Coast style, I guess if you will. And there's a lot of motion. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't know how you would space. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of space, which I love. I love the space because we all know oh, how hard we Jackson's all know how writing. hard space is to play clean. Kids can't play eighth notes together. Yeah, but they play triple rolls great sometimes. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, some gr- some groups can do that. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just it. I don't know. I don't. It's hard because like at Crossman, we just didn't do things like that in a lot necessarily. So all we cared about for us was getting these kids to play great and making sure their technique and their approach to every part was the same. And I think a lot of groups are trying to do that. And I think that unless you're a group that has mastered the style you're doing, I think it's the same type of problem. And then that's just up for debate on how people want to interpret like, well, I don't like the way that looks or that type of motion or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I think it's all the same in a way. It's just that some things are going to be a little bit, probably definitely harder to clean for sure. Like, you know, minimal motion versus a ton of motion. Like, that could There's just be inherently there, Yeah. And that's in a way that could be more challenging. And I think that a lot of people just find it kind of cool and it, it does, yeah, set, it does set them apart in a, in a, in a cool way. And some people like it. And I think that's cool. If you're a kid coming in a lot and you're just seeing a bunch of lines and you're like, wow, I like the way that group plays and it's maybe blue Knights, Or if you go to blue coats and see a lot, or, you know, you, you got devs and cadets and you have so many different variations of style. I think that's kind of cool. And then, I mean, their staffs are trained to kind of teach that approach, hopefully. And then you just get to be a, a fun critic, spectator, and just yeah. kind of get to be like, you know, you get to kind of compare it to how you teach. And I think that's part it's of the that. the cool thing about process. this because everybody has
0: all their different styles. Yeah. Nothing we ever talk about here is saying anyone's style or approach is wrong. Right. Everything we're doing is just saying, do we prefer like it thought, thought. Exactly. Too. We're just sure. kind of him and I have talked about this a lot with this. We don't want to ever take this podcast in a direction of attacking any specific groups right. or like this one approach is wrong. And here's why. No, we're not doing that. Like it's just right. looking at potential pros and cons of various ways of doing things is the end goal. I'm not smart enough to say one thing's for sure. Really. Yeah. I don't, I, don't yeah, I mean, enough. Like, I guess if they all do it the same way and it,
2: and it's clean in the end, it doesn't really matter. I yeah. think it's just, I think that the cool, the interesting part about it to me is the perception on the judging community and how they view it. You know, like if Blue Knights comes out and plays perfect, and they look the way they do, I kind of always wonder what that does to a judge when he sees that. Who maybe not be, who may not be um, comfortable or used to that style of drumming, mm-hmm. or and then they see like, you know, they see cadets come out and they're just ramming notes and they're playing triple F, just ramming and running. You know, and it's like. So, I think a lot of it comes down again to the clarity and, and, the, and the balance of what you're hearing to give you that instant, like, this is really good. And then when you start seeing how they're, the, the, you know, the musicality and like all the space for, like for example, with Mike's Grooves, Jackson, um, there's something impressive about that too. A lot of people I'm, that I've been around, were, and then there's some people that just hate it, you know, it's just like, it's just, there's always going to be people who don't, who love it or hate it. And I, I think it's really cool. And if, if they do it well, then I'm just like, good for them. you know. It may not be how I would teach it uh, for my own reasons, but that's, it, you know, a lot of our, our, our teaching methods are because of how we were raised and how we were taught. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I feel like it's kind of unfair for me sometimes to, to think that I don't like that because it's different, and I just think it's different, and I just didn't accept it. And if they're dirty, I just think that they have the same struggles that we're probably having, except they're just magnified in a different way. So, you know, and I guess competing against it, the last two summers at Crossman, you know, you just, you're in a different like battle of of groups that you're trying to compete against. And essentially, and then when you're at Bluecoats, it's like you're fighting for a drum title essentially every year, hopefully. Yeah. So it's just, it's a different game. And I guess it's, it's just, it's kind of cool having that perspective now being in, being in both of those groups. But I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to play great and you're just trying to get your kids to make sure they're approaching each part correctly and, and that's, that's the, the biggest challenge, certainly.
0: Are there me. politics in DCI judging?
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is some type of... I mean, I don't know. I would say that I, I, it feels like there could be, but well, I think if you just nail it... I think, yeah. I don't know, I feel like we can, we can go into debates all day about certain groups and what we feel about who should win who shouldn't, but like sometimes it's really clear that groups, groups may have a not a great show and they still win. Or groups have a fantastic show and get second. I mean, Crown's had some pretty sweet shows the last couple of years. Really hard. They were, like, up there about to medal. And then they don't They don't get first. And there's Crown fans who are, like, are you kidding me? Like, And then they, you know, you just, you just it's, it's everywhere. You
1: it's know? hard, I guess, just because, like, what you hear should be, like, the factor. Like, it's good, it's good, it's not, it's not. But it's such a subjective activity, like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. for the person who's speaking into the microphone, like, what sort of things do they like? What sort of approaches do they not like? I do like space. I don't like space. I like the running. I don't like the running. I think it's too much. I don't like this composer. Why would you ever use this? It's like I don't know. If there's so many like levels that go into it yeah. beyond whether or not it's achieved at a high level. Yeah, like that's some something just like
0: it. So that's, no, that's something I have to differentiate and remind myself of a bunch during the competitive seasons, whether it's indoor or outdoor. I can't think of. I can't view this competitive sport or activity or whatever you want to call it. In the same light that I view watching a basketball game, mm. because yeah, some foul calls in a basketball game are subjective and can absolutely, be making... especially
2: against North Carolina Tar Heels all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal! Unreal. It,
0: it can be they, they can get calls wrong. They can yeah, whatever, yeah. but in the end, it's not subjective who wins the game. Yeah, the it's best like team wins. The, the team that puts the ball in the bucket more times in that game is going to win. So there's no like, well, this panel of seven judges liked the cadets tonight over Blue Devils, and this yeah. panel the next night liked BD over Crown. Like, there's none of that. So it's, it's. Well, that's that's exactly why
2: I, for me personally, I just I'm not saying I'm not competitive because I certainly am, and we probably all are. We, all are to an extent, uh, uh-huh. just how we were like raised and how we did drum corps and everything, um, but. When I teach now, especially high school level, and then even at Crossman uh, specifically, I was very like, the only concern I ever have is to get the kids to play as great as possible and to make sure they have the best experience possible. Because at the end of the day, when you talk about these subjective ideas and the judging panel being the end all be all, like you just can't control exactly what they're going to say and do. Like You can only hope to encourage them to look for certain spots that you think your kids are not getting credit in and why and say hey we're doing these things with this you know this amount of environmental demands or this type of approach where dynamic spectrums are crazy like you can just pitch whatever you want and at the end of the day all you can control or all you can really be proud of is that your kids play great yeah you know and like so when i teach and i'm part of any group i just always try to remind people around me that like guys like let's just make the kids play great teach our butts off and if they do great great and if they don't Whatever, we're always gonna get respect. Like, like you guys, yeah. for example, like you said that you enjoyed what crossing was doing, and then there's years that, you know, you guys say this like cadet, used not cadets last last year, in the lot played great, and like you have always opinions, and like that's great, you have a lot of knowledge, and I think that's what's cool is like hearing people who did the activity or who are in the activity still as teachers or whatever, just all go around behind the scenes talking about how great groups are and like giving you like some positive feedback and encouragement, so it's, that you can just you can just be proud of like well this is the product we were asked to do and the kids did it great. And they grow from that, and you hope they just keep coming back. It's
0: funny you say that because uh, we were at Basie's. I think never heard of it. What, what yeah, is that? It's the bar everyone goes to after DCI finals. Basie's, yeah, that's, in oh, that sounds right. fishy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually yeah. talked to the cadet's base tech a little bit. Cool. Uh, Which one was that? Um, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I don't know. I walked
1: in late on that, but I remember yeah. you talking to. Him. I was talking was to, it to Henry. Him. Could have been short there, guy.
2: There's one guy named Henry that teaches there. Yeah, he's one of them. I don't know who else. I don't know a lot. These I don't days, know. But, but either way, yeah, I know one guy that, What he
0: I was. I just made. I was like, dude, what's going on? You guys, I have watched, been watching you guys all summer, and you're throwing down comparatively well as everybody else, but you're getting like eighth in drums. He goes, I don't know. He goes. It's all subjective. And I mean, it, and eventually
1: I, we got the judges' tapes and, and, and like some of that, like kind of like they opened up things that they
2: were. You hear stuff on the field, yeah. but, and, but you know. and the judges that commented the on story, things
0: that they were like, ah, this, that, this, that. So we're like, okay, all right, well, yeah, but the point sure. of the story though was to say, I told him, I was like, well, I, it's like you guys were phenomenal. I think you all are easily one of the best batteries in DCI this summer. And he was like, he goes, despite the judging community, that's what matters to us more—the street cred, like yeah. the people yeah. that have been there. It's in great. the trenches before understanding and knowing and, and saying, acknowledging and, like, and yeah. acknowledging what we pulled off and what we achieved. And and were they perfect? No. I didn't think anyone was perfect this right. year. No one ever is. No ends, one honestly. was perfect. Sure. Nobody ever sure. is. But uh, Yeah, that is cool. family has been close a few
2: times. Well, oh, and you also, like, once you get just people, like, just respecting what your kids are doing and putting out and, like, they're getting a lot of credit from people that you respect, it's, it's a great feeling for them because they put all that work in. Uh, to that, that summer and then you also just inspire a whole new generation of kids coming up you know and I think any young kid who may be inexperienced like we all once were they may not know exactly how good something is yet but you know they know what's cool kind of in their eyes so like yeah, yeah. they could come up to our Crossman lot and be like I like the way this sounds you know and like I like the way they look and their uniforms are cool I don't know it could be something black dumb. and red is my favorite color <laughs> yeah but like every and I tell like the kids at Crossman and you know and even at Lebanon and at X last year it's like you guys have an opportunity every time when you go out there to drum to change someone's life, you know, like, and that's what we did at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, you probably had fans who, like, awkwardly stalked you or, like, send you messages asking about Crown and, like, What kind of of
1: snare heads you guys use? What kind of
2: sticks did you use? Like, you know, it's cool because, like, I did that. I wasn't geeking out over Devs guys when I was, like, 14 and, like, just trying to, like, get, you know, learn about who they were and where they came from, so... I think it's a unique opportunity and Should I think I that's a wedding or something. You know? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Some guys play snare drum at wedding, you know, <laughs> this crazy stuff, but it's cool. Like to, again, like to get feedback from people who just, who have put a lot of time in this activity themselves. And it's nice to, you know, know that sometimes your groups aren't just going to play great and you hear, you hear a bad rep or a bad group and you're like, or not bad group, but you just hear just a couple of reps that are a little under par and you're like, man, this is kind of rough or whatever, but it's, it's kind of nice that you can go around and like yeah. show some of that appreciation. Cause you know, at the end of the day, this is a youth activity. These kids work their butts off. And a lot of times if they're not playing good, like I think that's more of a staff thing. I think it's staff problems yeah. and kids because it's up to us to teach them. So if they're not playing great, we're not doing something right.
0: That's kind of how I would get that. So, yeah. you know, you just got to work on it and try to figure out what that is. Let's switch to WGI. There's Some new players, players in the game recently. Broken City Monarch had a <laughs> never pretty, heard of him. Pretty uh, Monarch came out of nowhere and got seventh this year. Is that Talasker? Yeah, yeah. 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 Taha's
1: he's been posting some beast, videos yeah. of him
0: actually. Talas is a, a boss.
2: Taha's is great. He's also, for the record, shoots excellent three point shots. Oh, yeah. He's a great shooter. He also basketball.
0: allegedly hit seventy one free throws in a row. One yeah, time. he's
2: very good. I shot a couple. Good I good. shot around with
0: him and Tom a lot.
2: Uh, oh, Tom Gasperini at Bluecoats a lot that, back in the day, and we played basketball a lot. Obviously at move ins then, but dude, he is just making it rain in there, man. It's like Taha's it's awesome. It's like stuff. Steph Curry is in the flesh, but it's <laughs> a Taha way better, you know. So awesome. yeah, yeah, he's nice great, man. He's,
0: he's doing. He's great, man. He's a good he's, guy. He's a I, I enjoyed guy. spending a summer standing next to him in 2012. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was really cool. He's real
2: humble and he's always just he's cool. We we come across him a He has one of the times.
0: best years. So sure. we would be by the end of that summer. Uh, my ears were pretty messed up from from buddies in 2012. Worst. time. my ears had uh, deteriorated. Great establishment. And yeah. being able to hear solid if I screwed solid. up, the guy next to me screwed up, whatever. <laughs> so, but Taha's just got like we'd be in we'd be in the line during rehearsal, and I had to I was trying to retrain my ears basically to hear if it was me screwing up, Joe, Taha, because it was I just my Is ears Twelve, yes okay and well, so. Taha's ears were so good. By the end of the season, like, we him and I would play a game. Like, after every rep, we'd hear some dirt somewhere. And as an educational thing for me, I would first go, okay, I think that was on that side of the line. I usually tell when it was over there. That's pretty obvious. Well, it was more so for so I could tell when I screwed up, mm-hmm. Taha screwed up, right. Joe screwed up. Right. And I'd be like, oh, I think that was on that side. he goes, and he would go, yeah, that was Kevin or Colton or something. And right. Whichever one he said it was, like, two seconds later, whoever the tech on the field was, like, walked up to that person and addressed it with him. Like, he could, he could pick yeah. out who ticked on the other side of the line awesome. from this end. Like, it's just... Yeah, your ears. And that was a great line, by the way. 2012 Blue Coats. Very
2: balanced. Very solid. Balance. Key word. Key
0: word. Evan nailed that. Yeah. I feel like that, so that, good. that whole idea of balance is lost a little bit. Or getting, getting overlooked.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think that's one of the one of the biggest things for me as an educator has always been balance. And you just can't ever do it enough because at the end of the day, the, that level of clarity that you guys had in 12, which people still talk about 2012 so much uh, to me or just, I don't know, just in various conversations with random people, we'll just talk about, you know, we just reminisce on the times and... We always come back to 2012 Blue Coats somewhere in that conversation as we kind of go through the years. And it's like, man, that was just so balanced and the line was so mature and very, very consistent. And the book was so sick and the the show and like how it all fit and orchestrated with the front ensemble. Sorry, Tom Rick, shout out. He's the man. So, you know, personal fave. So it's just kind of one of those things where when you see all of it kind of come together, it's always pretty impressive. Right. And when the group can pull it off. We got
0: sidetracked. Monarch independent sent us into Taha. Sent us back to Bluecoats. All right, back to world. indoor. It's Taha's fault. It is. We blame Taha for all of this. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> getting back to indoor. So there's. I think it's really good for the activity that there's some new new kids on the block with Broken City and right. Monarch is making a move in the Texas area. And yeah. It makes perfect sense that you'd be able to start a competitive world class line. In Texas. Yeah. Because they're Texas stacked. is a great band state. Yeah, very All the money in the world for that activity. Tons of talent comes out of there. Yep. And no one's ever, there's never been an indoor line that's been world class, I don't think, out of there, has there?
2: I'm not really sure. Until but uh, You are correct. It used that to be like
0: Tyler Junior College, but that was like independent. They were yeah. open. Like, So like, they have it, a lot of talent. It makes perfect sure. sense it's to me that people with people. the right staff in place that knows what they're doing, they could take the Texas talent in the area and compete with the big dogs well, in the indoor activity. Well and they're making moves for sure. Well, they yeah, I think with with Taha
2: and those guys, like, again, like, the, the great thing that DCI, because DCI and WGI, I'm a firm believer that they scratch each other's backs Definitely. immensely in great ways. Uh, you know, Taha is a product of that also, like, with his, you know, prior training and then marching blue coats. And he was such a humble guy and, like, a hard worker and, like, he played great. I remember, like, we did our, like, we did our talk finals day where all everyone goes around the circle and says their thing as an age out or like whatever and Taha was like I'm sorry for ticking ever. He like apologized for ticking ever. And I was like what? We were all like laughing like dude what are you talking about? I remember about? the one lot so he broke funny. in
0: one lot that summer. Yeah. And he like <laughs> Was so mad at himself. Oh, I'm sure. At least I—he th- came off to Maybe. me like he was—he beat himself up like a ton because sure. he broke into the one law well, Like that no was in, all in, like, ever. It was in the middle of the Midwest, like at a show, like five cores were at, like we had like seven kids watching us, like nobody gave gave a crap. But yeah,
2: well, I think that this shows you his work ethic, you know. And, and now with with Monarch and the groups, any group that he's affiliated with is doing really well, and he is really good at the system and pl- uh, the system they have in place there. With the uh, the warm up routine and the technique, he, he's obviously very good at teaching that, and he has surrounded himself with great people to help with that. So, I'm not going to be surprised at all at the moves they continue to make moving forward, and continuing to just. I think it's exciting. It's, well,
1: it's so like competitive now. It's at the top. it's, it's insanely fantastic. competitive. Yeah. Yes, granted, and, as we've said before, like the achievement in the WGI is never quite as consistent as like the DCI but like it can't be you're, on, you're only on weekends, yeah you're limited time it, it just can't be but it's gotten so much yeah it's better. hard
2: it's certainly provided you know it has its challenges for sure
1: and you're inside
2: yeah and Broken City you brought up Broken City I mean as an, I'm a very big fan of Broken City I think I think left hand shot her around the world <laughs> the left hand shot her around the world was tasty and it was just like one of those things it was so sim- simplistic of I an have idea I no idea how I did it right and when it was it was put in that show at the right time for the right ambience and like just everything was so perfect and that's what k shaw and mike jackson do so well i just have so much respect for them and, and roger writing all the snare like I, I know he certainly contributes to a lot of the the snare features yeah and a lot of cool stuff and you just watch those things and at this day and age like they're very very impressive and just they just give this effect when you see them and I just kind of love those guys too. I think they're doing some cool and unique things in their own way, and they're definitely setting themselves apart in some cool ways for the activity, and I think a lot of people can learn from it and make their own
0: cool stuff, too. I want to talk about Mystique for a second. One, ha, no, it's a, it's a, it's a sensitive subject, subject from, for you. For <laughs> a, for Not a at all. And it's actually... I have some great friends that marched there. Great friends. I'm sure, but... What started the rivalry? Because I don't think the rivalry exists anymore. I don't think I don't that know, like, ex, uh, the X MCM thing. I don't Is think, it a
2: thing? I don't even know. I don't
0: think it is anymore. But I like I think uh, it's just, friendly think friendly it's just kind of a friendly
2: thing. It's kinda of like a joke, but I think there's gonna be people who take it a lot seriously than others in a negative way. I think a lot of people will just kinda joke about it in whatever way they want. Didn't really MX like steal a sign from their lot one year or I something? I can't confirm and, like, any of that. From what I know, that's that's all hearsay. I can't really <laughs> I can't verify, I don't think there's any proof of that, yeah. so I don't. I can't 100% say I know anything about it at all, or if I saw or anything, so I hope that you figure out the truth to that story, though. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I think that it's meant to be fun, because we have a lot of friends, you guys as well, I'm sure, that yeah. have marched there, like Chase Dickinson, shout out, beautiful human being, great guy, bass drummer at Blue Coats, also Luke, former, former tech
1: i was like talking to luke yeah you know, and, on the right? William yeah William.
2: he was a, he was a really nice guy i mean like justin lewis and we marched marched for a couple of years before he came to the mix and won a world championship no big deal um you know just like just kind of things like that where it's just a lot of great friends that you end up marching in the activity in and out and they do things their way and it's obviously successful and they've won a lot of world championships and they do their thing you know and, and as far as the the rivalry i don't know for us when i was in it it was kind of a joke and We were very early on in the troll days. Like, you know, we we would troll each other. But once you have friends in it, it becomes this fun thing, you know. I think anyone that kind of knows it's a joke, and like you're like Luke or someone who you kind of may personally know in the group, you're just like, you kind of know. And then there's just the guys in the group who are like, they have this... Way too uh, serious about it. Yeah, they kind of look like they take it a lot more seriously and whatever. I mean, they can do whatever they want. But I think deep down it's just kind of a joke that... That people have, and they can take it to whatever degree they want. And it's just like they've always been rivals,
1: especially like 10 years ago. It was like 10 years ago, it was like ex Mystique and RCC. And yeah, I Mystique
2: own the activity and they know it. Like they have a very rich history, and everyone knows they destroyed the activity for so long. And yes, there may have been few groups, but the groups that were at the top were the best in the game at the time. So, yeah, and nowadays, yes, that's expanded to maybe four or five, six groups even and and then it was like Mystique and Blue Knights battling it out right and then RCC came into the picture right. and destroyed and like they did their thing and it was so cool and so different and you just see that you just saw the diversity just start to really like blossom over those years and Rhythm X came into the picture in 04 and then that's when you know somehow with our finals performance, we jumped Blue Knights 3 over 3 points almost 4 points from uh, quarters to finals and we knocked Blue Knights out of their first medal in history oh, i wow. think and that was a very historic thing. What
0: happened to that group? Why did they fall off? Since? I don't know, man. It, it, I was it there in Colorado. Was there, Nobody or? goes there. I don't know. Well, yeah, how yeah, I to mean, in the first place, anyway. I just college. think, think it's marijuana. Yeah. I don't
2: know. It, <laughs> it could be a lot of things. I think the shift, uh, you know, the shift of the activity can be so important sometimes with just how a group shows up and does something different. Like, look like at California specifically, man. Like, they've blown up to so many different groups, and there's so many options and different styles even within those groups. You know, like just seeing all RCC drums and then seeing how Pulse drums and then you have Broken City like it's crazy there like I don't even know where I would want to go like I'd have to think really I'd have to put some thought into it because I kind of appreciate them all in different ways yeah and like where would you go if you had to choose one of those three if I had to choose one of those three
1: I think I would go to RCC right
2: you choose RCC what about you what do you think you would do
1: also, just like, because, I like, if I'm thinking about groups, like, I just love yeah, going back like, to the way RCC moves, like yes, the Blue Devils and yes. their visual design. Like, did they? Right. Do, I don't know.
0: Yeah, See, RCC'd like probably be last on my list. Okay. That's fair. I am i don't like Pulse's show designs typically, uh-huh. but the way they play, I like a lot. But I, I think I'd probably go to Broken City because the music writing and Mike Jackson's there. Sure. I think I'd probably do if I was that age like 18 again like about to make it into the activity. Yeah. I think I'd be going to Broken City. I mean, you
2: have you have a tough choice there. Yeah. Unless All there's a completely set on one, which is hopefully that's where what it is yeah. uh at the time, you know, you don't want to be like, "Oh, which one should I go to?" You should be worried about which one you could actually make. Yeah, yeah. That's true Good luck with that. That's like true. there's no way those auditions are easy. No. So, and I've heard a lot about them and they're not. So, good for them but yeah yeah that's and i i'm just happy for like monarch and 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 broken city i'm I glad new players, players have showed up
0: because yep. because it was getting stale with just your pulse rcc x and mystique and it felt like for a while there you can look at the first the gold medalist and it almost was on a rotation yeah like it would be x pulse um rcc mcm mystique. rcc yeah, so. and then it would rotate again yeah, like if of... you look at like starting in 09 x yeah. 1 and 9 mcm or pulse 1 and 10 yep MCM one and eleven, yep. uh, RCC one RCC and 12, and twelve, X, X one and 13. And thirteen. It's almost like it's just a <laughs> cyclical yeah. thing, and it was getting stale. So I'm yeah. really glad there's other like X finished like sixth this year, didn't they? Yeah, um, Matrix beat him. Matrix is one yeah. of the top players too, and yeah. they 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 capitalize on well they capitalize on GE. No matter no matter what anyone says about like their their playing achievement, what, good or do bad. Not, do you not like it? It's the, it's, <laughs> it's the same re- it's I, no, I don't. I'm not a fan, okay. but it's the same reason I'm not a fan of... Well, see, uh, of I, in, Some, in my mind, it's, it's like, too oh, much. it's good or it's good or it's, it's, it's too much. much. I yeah, think they overwrite. I, I, I think Rob so. Ferguson overwrites for the group. Okay. And I think... Well, sometimes I think psh, 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 we overwrite at X, too. <laughs> I, I agree. I think... I, you, if you can ask me about a lot of groups, I think a lot of groups... I think Bluecoats overwrite sometimes. I think Rarick does occasionally. I think, um, I think MCM underwrites... Uh, I think X has overwritten multiple times. Maybe. Yeah. So it's just, you. Got, they just gotta do a better job at evaluating the playing talent they have and writing the book not based on what they want to do but based on what the kids can actually achieve at a high level. There are definitely groups who do that really well. Because if Matrix is achieving at the level they are finishing that strong because their show GE has been off the charts the last few years. Like yeah, they, the show did, they did Mute math last year, right? Yeah, like the show designs have been good. Mute is great. G, E off the charts. If they would, I feel like if they would tone down the level of difficulty occasionally, and allow their members to achieve at a higher level. I think they finish even better because they already have the GE portion of mm-hmm. it figured out.
2: Yeah, a lot of those groups do, and I think when you, we were, we were talking about essentially this idea of these the new groups that are kind of breaking into the, the top six, um, well, specifically, you know, like groups like Broken City and Monarch, kind of reaching that point. You know, I think it kind of shows that the activity is sh- the activity shifts so much and it shifts in huge ways and there are just certain groups like broken city i can tell you for sure Shaw and mike jackson have been working together for a long time in different ways and forms and yeah. like i can tell you right now they have done cool stuff for a very long time and i i know I, I, there has to be some frustration on their part as designers when they weren't getting maybe credit for what they were doing you know And then all of a sudden, it took, like, a successful year. And then, boom, now Broken City, almost won a World Championship. Yeah. So I feel like the judging community grows a lot with that shift. You know, like, the judging community. And being at WGI board meetings the last couple years, uh, I've got to just sit in on some incredible conversations of growth within the, the greatest minds in the activity. Like, you're sitting in a room with, like... You know Fairbanks, and you're sitting in a room with with Sean Vega, and you know, and all the guys from Ayala. Like, there's just so many great minds in that room of, of creators who who've worked hard to literally change the game. And you and you just you can just tell like they put a lot of a lot of thought into like improving the judging community because as the activity shifts, the judges have to be able to recognize those things. And I think what you're seeing this or this past season when Broken City was credited, uh, you're seeing something that they've been doing a product probably in some ways kind of like that for a while maybe in various forms and this year like they got a lot of credit i think the activity is changing and and the judging and judging is kind of evolving over time learning how to like appreciate certain things that they maybe didn't before and uh, i think that's really cool because it, it gives like you said it gives more there's more things you can do and i think that's great compared to you know 10 years ago which was great for the time and now we're here we are so it's like you can't do the same things forever. And groups are being challenged physically so much. Like like you said, you think there's a lot of overplaying going on. Well, that's probably because a lot of people feel that they have to do that to compete. They have to feel like they have to write a lot to compete with another group that writes a lot. And I'm not saying that's 100% true, but I'm just saying I can see why that happens. And then at the end of the day, clean is clean. So if you play clean, you gotta you're find getting, the balance.
0: You got to find the yeah, balance. And that's, and that's
2: and the balance is
1: different for every group with Based every, it's a
2: hard battle, man. Cause you just don't know. And like, and as you guys know, we all know from marching rhythm X, uh, we, the shows change so often because we're, they're just coming up with better ideas and, you know the show takes a different direction. That's for the better, or whatever. And like you've been in groups where they've literally changed. Like at X, they changed the, half the show of finals week. You know, or like two thousand eleven. You know what I mean? We like, relearned right. a
0: closer and a ballad. <laughs> right. With Drill and music. Three days before finals. <laughs> right.
2: Three so days. yeah, and you're going out there doing your best and and playing pretty well. And there's groups that their show hasn't changed maybe in a month, you know, like, and that's maybe not the case, but there are probably some groups who change way less than Rhythm X does. And that's great. So yeah, I think it is finding that balance of knowing kind of what you're dealing with. And, and sometimes it's just kind of unavoidable, you know, like it's, it's kind of hard to maybe put your show in its hundred percent form, like the way you want to see it at finals in the beginning, like it's almost impossible, you know, like you kind of see it. But then things change over time, you know, and then you got to evolve.
0: We heard so many ideas with yeah. those 36 snare drums. <laughs> I'm whatever. sure. All these awesome ideas they right. wanted to do. Right. None of them panned out. Yeah. Well, I it's like sometimes just of be yeah. kind of – be kind
1: of vain or narcissistic to think that you can just get it right the first time. Like, and it's yeah. the best I mean, good be. luck.
2: If you can, <laughs> you're a savage. I would applaud you. Really? And I think that's that's something you learn, like, even at Lebanon. And, I was like, going to say,
1: I'm teaching. sure you've had a lot to do with that, like, just with – working at Lebanon and as you design shows yourself, not even ones that you're in, but for your performers
2: and stuff. Yeah, well, it's for sure. And that's, that's definitely a weakness. I I think in the Midwest is like, you know, one of our, one of our battles is we're we're having to train kids really fast in a short amount of time. Um, And we have to play the game in a way. I don't want to call it playing the game. I think it's a balance. Like it's like we do a show like me, Matt Hahn, uh, Aaron Bailey, Noah Bellamy, the main guys on our design team uh, prior to this year, um, and even the staff contribute, like the guys who teach the kids. We're all like, we do a really good job of contributing, I think, in a way that everyone kind of has a voice and we just have lots of conversations of growth with with show concepts and themes and body. So it kind of works really well in that way there. And we have to say like, okay, here's what our kids can do. Here's mm-hmm. how well they can play. And I don't know if I've ever overwritten a show for Lebanon like in terms of battery writing just because I just don't think they're at a level yet being that young and not being obviously an independent group that they can achieve it very well. So I'm trying to give them the best product that they can kind of reach towards and work really hard to achieve and, you, make, you and get, it, get it done well. Uh, you,
0: you mentioned having to train kids in a short period of time. I think that's, I think that's the difference uh, between – you look at these really good high school groups, uh, like in California.
2: Which ones? I don't know of any out there. Uh,
0: Ayala, Chino Hills, those groups. And you have Dartmouth up in the Northeast. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh,
2: yeah, they're pretty good.
0: And you essentially, they start kids in sixth grade. They're, they're not yeah. having to take 14-year-olds that have never held marching sticks before or played a marimba in this kind of way as a mature performer they're teaching kids to do that three years before they need to wear a drum or three years yeah. before they need to. I think in some places and that's, for sure. I think that's yeah. the difference. They just mm. have more time to. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So just like, I guess the idea is that you have to kind of evaluate essentially what you think they can do. And at the high school level, it's obviously a lot easier, at least in my mind, in some ways where you kind of know exactly what the kids are. Kind of capable of, or at least where they're at in their progression, because I give a lot of private lessons to all the students that are in the group, and so I just try to write them a, you know, write them that book that they can achieve and do really well, and then the rest is just making sure the show is, you know, I guess kind of intriguing and cool, and we just try to max out the idea that we want and that we've talked about, and um, yeah, that's definitely a skill that is, yeah, it's definitely something that's kind of. A lot of groups have very different approaches and how they do that. And, you know, I've seen uh, groups that have shows that stay very consistent throughout the year and they just are so pristine at finals. And then at X, we do things a lot differently. You know, like we we try a lot of these different types of ideas and then things evolve, things change. And it's just kind of an expectation, you know, when you make a group like that, at least that group specifically and how they operate, is that, hey, you're going to be put on the spot. Like you need to be able to be world class and be able to. Take changes before a show, and uh, maybe that's a whole movement that you just learned Friday night. You know, before a Mipa show, uh, and whatever you know, and it's for the better. You know, it's for it's for the judges to get a read, and everyone on the design team has at RhythmX has full confidence in the kids, and I, and I agree. Like in in the end of the year, sometimes it maybe it puts a little bit too much pressure on the the students to perform at the highest level possible when you're now competing at a level where groups are throwing down so great. And I think those, those little decisions do matter for sure. And it's just trying to find a way to balance it. And, and I don't know if that's just not something that I do at that level. You know, I write, I've only wrote for high school essentially. Um, and it's like a gamble on the independent world level. like for you're, sure. And sometimes it pays off. I mean, yeah. X has done their thing for since 2002. I mean, and then in, in three, when they went to world and then we started meddling and then they started winning and then they almost won three years in a row. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Almost. Oh, eight, nine, ten. Right. Yeah. And it was like, that's a huge shift in the activity that Rhythm X is now a group that's putting out the show that's getting a lot of credit. And then, then you have, and then Pole starts coming in and doing all these cool shows. And then eventually they get credit, you know, and then RCC, and then it's just the battle going back and forth. And then you have Monarch, you have all these other groups, and whoever and whoever comes out and throws down what they have the best, I think, has a legitimate shot of getting credit as they should. And I think that's just weird for a lot of people to kind of see it when it first happens, you know, yeah. like the judging community. Uh, people who think their group deserves whatever. And at the end of the day, like as you teach more and more, you start to realize like, like we are invested in our show. So, of course, we love it. but we didn't play as good as we could have, you know, maybe this one year, or like maybe we could have not changed like a million things. and we but sometimes you know when you're changing your show, it, it like even at Lebanon, it's like you want to make it the best version you possibly can for the kids and and to get the most credit they deserve. So, that's a hard battle being a designer and I can't imagine even designing at the level that those guys do at the in the independent world. So I think that it is a lot of pressure and they have a lot of creative freedom, you know, and they're really trying to put out products that they think is changing the game. And yeah, I think that comes with a lot of challenges, you know, like balancing, like you said, balancing the book. And yeah, that's, that's one, as speaking for us at RhythmX, you know, that's one challenge that we all always face. It's like, we're going to get pretty challenging stuff and, we got to be able to like learn it on the fly sometimes, and we got to learn how to, like the creative process is very different
0: there, and it works for rhythm x. Um, it works and, for rhythm x, and I think it's yep. it's cool that like I know mystique doesn't operate obviously the same way rhythm x does. I don't
2: really know how they operate. But everything really.
0: I've, I've heard about mystique is they make changes like everybody, mm-hmm. but they're they're minor changes usually. Typically, they have their show figured out, they have it mapped out. Seem to do well and, last year. I could be wrong about this, but I'm, but I've heard through the grapevine of the activity, just random people talking at bars and bullshitting and whatever. And I'll put it, I'll put a, I'll put a dollar in the swear jar later. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, they have their system of plan a lot more in advance. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, and Tim and Tim, Tim Jackson and Tim Fairbanks are very creative people. They're very good at what they do yeah. and they, they do a lot of stuff on the fly. Like when when Tim Jackson writes body, he I think I'm pretty sure he might have an idea of what he wants it to be like, but he as we're learning it on the floor with him, I'm pretty positive he usually is making it up on the spot as we're learning it. Is that a false statement? Or um, is
2: that, I can't speak 100 percent for that. I know that. I mean, what you said is correct. They both are very creative in the moment, which is incredibly impressive. And sometimes Tim I don't. Tim
0: Fairbanks writes drill on the floor out of his own brain. Like yeah, dozen, some, yeah, he does
2: that sometimes, and it's crazy. I, those are definitely conversations I've had with with Fairbanks personally where I'm asking him how he thinks of things. And you can just tell he has a very creative mind. And sometimes certain certain people are very comfortable, depending on the task at hand what they need to do, and doing that way. And I the only thing I've seen Tim Jackson do, I've seen him write book in person right away, like just, just from scratch. On the spot, and, just yeah, life. and I don't know if he had an idea beforehand. I mean, I know he's listened to the music clearly from Andrew, and I'm sure there's more that goes into it. But I think that that's just part of his creative his creative approach is he likes to kind of hear it in person and he kind of likes to see what it sounds like and not just trust a MIDI file on virtual yeah, drumline. You know? yeah, yeah, so sure. he'll get there and just be like, ooh, basses, I like this sound actually. And then I'm watching him do this thinking like, I kind of like it, but it's just not for everybody. It's just, it's yeah. just and I think RhythmX is a place that kind of facilitates that a little better maybe because they're used to that process and then as a member and as a person looking to go out there. You got to be prepared for that expectation. And I think
0: part of why they know, part of why they operate like that and do things on the fly sometimes or make changes pretty frequently on the fly um, is because they know they have a member base that can handle that. For sure. I feel like if they were teaching a lower level group that didn't have the talent they have with, they would be, they would adjust. Obviously, they're both very smart people. They would adjust and say, okay, we're going to have to plan a little ahead and we won't we we can't risk teaching them this stuff and having to change it the next day or the next weekend. Like we need to give them more time to get yeah. good at it. So we have to for get sure. it right. There's more, more pressure to get it right the first time.
2: Yeah, I agree. And even, even from my experience last year, there teaching for the first time officially, I would say it was been, it was a great learning experience. Just you learn so much. I mean, I, I just learned so much from people I work with every year. Like I try to learn from everybody. Like it could be anyone. And it's just, It's really cool, like even being taught by those guys, essentially. I mean, I guess I marched with him for four years, but uh, Fairbanks specifically, like teaching me uh, there and then when I was at my time there and then also watching as a staff member. It's really, really cool. It's a cool process that, again, it's just it just kind of, you know, teaches you more about a different approach and and you can kind of like take pieces of it away. And try to apply it to your own, you know, approach if you feel like you're comfortable. But I think it's definitely cool. I mean, it definitely doesn't keep you always in the box. Yeah. You know, like, we're just going to write this and this is what it is and hopefully it's good. And then I think that... It doesn't pigeonhole you. Yeah. Right. And I think that's how RhythmX kind of should be. I feel like the way they do things. And, and I think that every year they're so perceptive on, like, what they need to be better at. Because they're always... They're very, like, great thinkers about, you know, how a season went and what they need to adjust. So... I know those guys always have great conversations about, like, growing into the next season and, like, what they need to do to make things better. And Yeah, I think they're always doing what's best for the kids. And to make Rhythm X always be a group that has memorable shows, I think they're always trying to do that. No matter what they get score-wise, I think it's all about just being different. And that's, I think, what all those great those great groups yeah, are doing. right Sometimes now. it works. Separating themselves. Sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. And who cares? Like, I mean, yeah, it matters, I guess, to some people, but at the end of the day, it's like, like I said earlier, if you're proud of how you played and and you're proud of the product, you put a good product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Have a good experience. Yeah. That's what it's all about.
0: So before we close this out, I can't not discuss the lack of attention in the snare drumming world right now to (laughs) Uh grace notes and accent tap. All right. <laughs> it's like, it's 12 to 6 now. What happened to, what happened to like, 12 to 3? Where did 3-inch tap I don't go? teach where, 12 to 6, so I don't know. Where, where uh, did, and I don't think anyone teaches it. I think it's just, I think it's a product of that hype, of that yeah. performance aggression that a lot of these groups are going towards now. And, yeah,
2: and just be a volume thing. I mean, there's times that, like, no, I mean, this I, is junk I totally war.
0: get you define it as 12 to 6 yeah. but, like, just it, what reminded me of this was we were watching the cadets play in the finals lot this year, and it was... I think brad perry mm-hmm. chief was standing there and him and him <laughs> <another> cobra <laughs> yeah
1: um okay. he was just like sarcastically commenting on it's how like, well the cadets played accent like, to oh tap. God, it's like, your accent, taps are tap. Tap. too low your taps are too low you're doing 2017 wrong. nobody <laughs> does that anymore oh, and it was just like he's kind of right everything's right it's just kind of a all, shift all, in tech well i think a lot of it's though like to be honest it's just is a shift in, like, writing style. Like, people play a certain way to try to achieve the writing style. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's true. Muller style and stuff like yeah. that. I, I can't honestly speak
2: for the other groups, though, honestly. Like, I know that Andrew Markworth will purposely write 12 to 6 for a reason. Like, if it's oh, always intentional. I've had it written in um, parts that
0: I've played. Like right. I get
2: it. And but I think it's different, but, like, it's always intentional in my personal experience with it there at Crossman. Um, and I'm, and I know that, like, if we were just teaching, like, you know, accent the tap height or something. I would be like, I'm a stickler obviously on the contrast. Like I, I hate, too. I hate them I too. meeting in the middle. And that's like, it seems like a very youth issue. Like guys, like kids who are just starting to learn how to play drums. So when I see guys who play like that, I'm not certain if, if it's written that way or if they're just not achieving it because of whatever reason you want to insert. So uh, I, per- I personally don't, that would drive me nuts unless it was intentional. Yeah. And, uh, at the high school level, like obviously, you know, you know, we just get to, we get to just trust our philosophies and kind of teach how we do. And, you know, it's been, it's been fun, but that's all kind of we're in control of, you know, is the kids we kind of teach. And, and that's what I've done at, at, at my group as long as I can is just try to put out good snare drummers and, and drummers in general, but more importantly, kids with good mindsets, you know, like, and Mike McIntosh to this day, I think has one of my favorite quotes ever, which was, he, it was at Bluecoats one summer, maybe in 05, but he said something like, I want to, we're teaching you guys to be better teachers. And like, I don't think I've ever had someone tell that to me in that way. And it was like, it struck me so weird because like, I guess, you know, you're always know you're getting information to be better in the moment about a part or how to be better, you know, efficient wise. But he said that, and it felt so meaningful from a teach like an educator mm-hmm. to a student who could be a future educator. Like we're teaching you to be better teachers and not just giving you information to make you good for right now. And just here only, like it served a much bigger purpose so uh, I've always taken taken that philosophy from that moment on, like as a teacher, when I got to that opportunity, it was like, we're, I'm just, tr- we're trying to, we should be focusing a lot on like trying to teach kids to be great teachers so that when they approach things, yeah. they know why they're doing it and they know that they can teach that to someone else. And if you can really know something well, you should be able to teach it. You should be at least, or learn how to teach it, like be really good at like teaching someone how to do what you do. And I think if you can teach it really well, then you should probably be good at demonstrating it, you know? Yeah. So that's just how I think. So I think that's just one thing that we're, that we're as a big philosophy for us at, at Lebanon for sure. And that's cool to be able to have young kids and get that opportunity to have these high school programs that are going do, out
0: to the world. Do you ever see this activity, whether it be DCI, WGI, both breaking more into the mainstream? Huh. This was a discussion that Evan and I have had with my brother. And we've mentioned it on here before, like,
1: I just don't. I just don't think there's money. There's not I mean, what drives what drives mainstream yeah, do you know? I don't know. What do you think? Advert- I, think I would say never, I would say advertising. I've only asked
0: this question because I've never <laughs> shown helps, either right. activity to anyone and not had them go, Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Like that's awesome actually. Like, yeah, I think it's about outreach.
2: Yeah, it's like it's advertising and outreach and sometimes just finding a niche, you know? Like the band world can be, I guess, considered by some to be kind of like a niche thing, like I think it's very niche. And I think that, like, you have Blue Devil Entertainment, you know, you have, like, there are certain groups that are trying to do that. We've noticed the NFL drumline world's kind of gotten bigger over the last, like, five years or whatever it's been. Like, Bengals had a drumline. I did that, like, for two years. It was crazy. But, like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, like, I don't know. It's, I think it can be, but, yeah, I'm very, like, skeptical at, like... A, a, what type of like a huge well-known See, my, my brother's level. argument
0: he's he's not a band person not a music person yeah. he's the football player like very athlete kind of person yeah uh his thing was we, Evan and I showed him the 2016 Blue Coast show where they're not wearing traditional military style drum corps uniforms the spandex mm-hmm. the more indoor style uniform and he just went if you guys want the public to pick up on this you're going the wrong direction. But the activity doesn't want to I know. To and that's, it why, it. that's what we told him. And he goes, I'm just saying, as some people are, like, he goes, people can relate to and with the tradition involved with, like, that military style uniform, that traditional, yeah. whether the, the uniform the cadets had forever, that very toy soldier looking type thing. And he, his whole thing was, he thinks it's going the wrong direction. It's going too artsy. And that's not saying the mainstream can't appreciate the arts, because I think they do, but if you look at culture at large, they don't appreciate it as much as Europe does. I don't think that they, I mean I think I don't Europe, think that they appreciate the arts. I mean well, you can just see that in the I education system.
2: I I definitely think I had a interesting perspective when I did this top secret drum corps thing in Switzerland and we went to Scotland for a month and we did this like we did basically this production show or whatever in this big castle thing. It was crazy but people from all over the world flew to see this thing. You know, so, and I would talk to a lot of Europeans and people internationally who would just talk about the art, like their approach to, in respect to the arts is very different you know, because of their culture. Uh, I think there's a lot of creative people in, in DCI who are doing some great things. And I do feel like it is a, a product of advertising and, and the outreach that DCI is, gonna, is trying to, that needs to, maybe they need to commit more to. Obviously it's, it could be a money thing. That's, that's always gonna be a struggle. But I think it's a great activity that deserves to get a lot of notoriety. And I think that it could be appreciated in a ton of different ways, as we all know from experiencing band and like what it's done for us as individuals, like not just drumming, but as people and like how we learn to treat people and teach people and encourage whatever. Uh, I think just, you know, I've got to I got to go to like, strangely enough, like my wife uh, is on the admin staff at Bluecoats, so. I've got to sit in on a couple of those banquets after I've even been at Crossman. Uh, so I had to, I went to banquet both the years that I was out of, uh, at Crossman and to support her. Um, and I obviously know a lot of the guys there still, but hearing like, you know, Jim Moore and John Vanderkoff, like basically the two designers there. And then, you know, you have all the other guys who are there helping out like the writers and stuff. You just hear those guys talk about the future of the activity and like where their hearts are and why they do this. It's so much bigger than just what we're doing. And you can tell that, like, for that to reach a huge, like, a bigger scope of people, I think would be fantastic. So I feel like a lot of the great minds in the game want to make this way direction. bigger. I think they direction. are because it's all about growth. It's all about, like, giving people this great experience, whether that's from a spectator standpoint or a performance standpoint. And, like, I think the, the best minds in the game that I've personally met and talked to about it they think so big. And Cause most so, people don't so even good. know it exists. Right, and, and that's I, the issue. Like, for example, yeah. when
0: I was marching in two thousand ten, uh, my brother in law's parents we, had, we did the Fairfield show in, uh, around Cincinnati, right? And they'd never been to a drum corps show, didn't even know it was a thing, mm-hmm. and so they knew I was doing it. It's my brother in law's parents, not a, not like not blood related to him in any way, but they just knew me obviously, and sure, they knew my parents were going to the show because it was near where we live in Louisville, and they decided to buy two tickets and watch. They loved it. Yeah, they thought it was. They never knew this level of that kind of activity existed. Yeah, and most people don't. When I meet new people, and just through work or friends or whatever, I, t- I mention it to them and I'm like, I, what's that? Is that yeah. like drumline the movie? Like, what? It's always, is, it's they, always they, fun. Explain. They don't know. That.
2: Yeah, it's like professional. It's uh, hard, like it's, like
0: like it's like the NFL of marching man. You know, it's like well, the top tier. You'll laugh at this, and I told Evan this story. driving Up something. here, my I was watching a a basketball game, a college basketball game with my dad, brother, and a good friend of ours. We've been friends with for a long time. Now, my dad and brother know what DCI is now. They've been to it. They've seen it. They know what WGI is. They know I achieved at a very high level in the activity. Mm-hmm. My, my friend kind of knows. He never really went to a show or anything, but I've shown him videos. He kind of gets it, but he made a comment. We were making a joke about the haircut of one of the players on whatever team was playing. I think UK was playing or something. We made a joke about, made a joke about the haircut of one of the players. And he goes, well, yeah, we can make fun of him all we want, but none of us in this room will ever be as good at anything as he is at basketball. And I just paused for a second. And I, I was like, I was pretty good at snare drum. Like if you look at the relative level he achieved in bat, I mean, and all three of them were just like, yeah, we know you did drum core. We get it. Like, they like they don't, you know what I'm talking about. Like I they don't understand. It, yeah. Like us three all sitting right here, we're probably in the top one percent or higher of our craft at one point. That's equivalent to being an NBA player, sure, at the level of achievement in their sport or activity. The difference is there's just no money in it. There's not. There's no recognition involved because the public doesn't know it exists. Right. And so that just really illustrated to me, like I like me and all my friends did achieve at the, t- we, there there was no level above where we went. Sure. And
2: Well, there's definitely gotta be like a surge in, in that, mm-hmm. if that's where DCI and uh, collectively people want this to go, there has to be a surge in effort in that approach. And I'm sure they have many discussions about it. I, I literally don't know. And I'm sure they love talking about growth and how to make it bigger and better. So I'm sure there are things in the works, but how far that will go is only time will tell. And I think that's why it's important for us to like, as long as we're in the activity in some way, like whether we're teaching high school or WGI, our jobs is to, is to give students an experience that, that they can take and make it better. Like they can take from what they learn from us and make things better in the future. So that maybe if DCI or WGI gets to a point or just their high school groups or whatever they're doing, you know, like they can just be a, the best version of themselves in terms of like putting out great teachers, you know, and great, mm-hmm. great students with good mindsets and strong worth ethics and just like you know, open minded, you know, being open minded, and like learning how to like work well in teams and, and leadership roles, I feel like that's some of the most missed opportunities that you, we could not be focusing on. So you like,
0: mentioned you mentioned keeping good educators in the activity, mm-hmm. and I think part of the pro, part, part of the problem of doing that—not a problem, but they can't do that really right now because there's you don't get paid hardly anything to teach anywhere, mm-hmm. and it's like you got to make a living at the end of the day. Whether it's high school band, sure. drum corps, indoor, indoor instructors don't get paid anything. Yeah. Almost anywhere. And it's like, and I realize it's almost like there's got to be a threshold point to where if the activity, you have to like forcibly push the activity to a certain level of recognition to where enough money starts being there to where these groups can start paying educators to mm-hmm. stay. Like sure. There's like Tim Maynard, one of the best snare techs I've heard from people to ever be in the game. It's good. He doesn't do it anymore. Solid. Because there's no money in it, he can't make a living and feed a family on it. And Damn. the problem is, you're gonna every time you get guys like that that are gonna get to that level of educator to try to push it to the next level, they have to drop out and do something else because you gotta you gotta eat at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know go. what I don't know yeah. what that threshold point is or where that turning point may be. Um, I, ha- don't, I don't see it ever happening. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, more I, in I, Evans Camp.
2: I, I think they're gonna <laughs>
0: try to get it there, but I think people want it there. I, I think that
2: that. The biggest focus is around like how do you give kids the best experience, but also how do you respect and appreciate the time of professionals who are coming in to teach. And a lot of people, I, I know, we all know, a lot of people who do this for the love of the game. I mean, why else yeah. would you? I think go anyone spend that does this, unless that you're that like Tom Ust like,
0: or, a R- or a Rennick at this point, like yeah. or a big caption head, nobody besides those guys is making probably any significant money doing it. Who knows? And but there's a commonality between everybody, and I think that people
2: people just love it there's yeah. something about the love of like what you what you grow from and learn from as an actual educator like with other people because like you know teaching at blue ghost teaching at crossman and te- for me specifically even my, the high school level at Lebanon it's like you get all these opportunities to work along so many different types of people like whether that ranges from the John Vanderkoffs and Jim Morris and Tom Rericks and like Dean Westman's all these like legends you know and then all the way down to like here's a kid I literally taught in high school who's now my my boss at 11 yeah. essentially you know and it's like but you just see that like you can learn so much and at the end of the day it's like people are are just growing so much as as educators and that you can just see that everyone has a love for wanting to get better and to push kids and to like to have use a creative platform that they have to do something good in the world and just make this small niche activity awesome you know and it just feeds one thing in the next you know like the marching band going in the DCI and then they learn about WGI and then like you know and then you see your kids in all these great groups and they've worked hard to and they're really happy with where they're at you know whether wherever that is and I feel like maybe that's maybe that's what this activity is all about and maybe that's okay maybe it doesn't need to be this humongous thing that makes millions of dollars like but I do agree that like working that's a choice that certain people have to make like I I love this activity but I can't I can't do this for the rest of my life unless their goals are way bigger than just being a tech like if they want or maybe they just have a real life job and they work out and then come in for two weeks out of the summer. Like people do that. Like I have guys who have full-time teaching jobs at Crossman and they, they come in and teach for their two weeks and they just love it. And you know, like you gave up your two weeks of your summer and your teacher, you know, like these guys are just tens, man. They're great people like to give up their time to come here and teach people how to drum. Like it's a real special activity in that way. But I do agree. Like I think if there was more money, it would change the game in in a different way and I'm not, maybe it would be better, maybe it wouldn't be, but I'm kind of glad if I had to look at a positive side of it that, that people do it almost not for the money in a way. It's almost like, keeps yes, it old. yeah, bit. and you, yeah, I think it does, and it's it's cool, you know, and, like, the fact that there's an age out, there's an age limit restriction on it where it's a youth-based activity and it doesn't become this professional thing, I don't know. I guess you could debate either side of it, but I think there, I, I tend to appreciate that more in the long run, and I do think if there are other groups who capitalize on, groups away from dci like you know like google's entertainment like they get paid to do big gigs and commercials and crazy stuff that's cool uh, but they they kind of put all of their you know their direction and things into those projects though i bet too you know like so until dci cares about pushing it so far in that direction i think they may be content with where it is in terms of like we're just trying to bring more you know, kids into this activity and we're trying to do more shows or here or there or big venues but maybe they're not trying to you know, make that their main focus point. Like True. I don't I don't really know though. This is all just opinion. Yeah, like <laughs> until until you sit down with someone at DCI specifically and the board and say, Hey, so what do you guys actually talk about? What are the long term goals? Yeah, like I know they probably care about it, but at the end of the day, it's a youth activity, it's banned, and you're just trying to create good products and give kids experiences, which is awesome. So yeah. but I um, think
0: I think that's a good uh, note to end on right there. Sure. I think that's a nice little them the experience
2: yeah we'll do this we'll, we'll do one more thing so you have both of you say what do you think let's go let's give you a good youth question this is for the okay. education of the youth to end okay. on since you guys take the time to do this podcast which thank you for having me on and being awesome i, I think it's cool that you guys are uh, going out there and just getting a lot of information just talking to a lot of people and I don't know. Sometimes just very, very uh, some good comedy also, and uh, yeah, just getting some opinions and some stuff. It's fun, you know. You don't you don't get to really hear this type of content all the time on, a, on a, at least a level of like a podcast or something. So, I would ask this question. I tend to ask it a lot to people uh, who teach. Still, like, what do you think is the uh, what do you think is the most important thing? Like, if you had a body of students right now and you could leave them with like one thing of essentially the reason why you do this and like, like, what is the, what is the purpose? Like, why would you suggest people even get involved in what we do and why?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I think for me, it's just the way that it can like shape your life. Like I think about when you think about going backwards in time, you can always kind of pick out a moment in life that maybe led you down a path that, like, man, if I'd have gone this way, my whole life would have been changed. Like, I can think of...
2: Huh? When one door opens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. So, like, I got in a band, and, like, I can basically attribute, and when I was in high school, I switched from one school to another. It was mostly academic, but they had better, like, percussion program. I chose the college that I went to based on, like, the drumline instructor I had in high school because they had so much fun in it. I went to Moorhead, I met my wife there. This now, like I could just attribute all these things to it, and I like some of my best friends. Like two out of my four grimsmen were friends that I hadn't banned. Sure, and so like I think that it can just like impact your life in such a positive way and get you.
2: I don't know, just a lot of life. You think you a know, lot of life skills, like yeah. working
1: hard. It teaches you how to uh, work with others because you're in a big group setting. I mean, it teaches you how to. Develop a culture or like set a standard if you want to achieve things and go after it because you can't achieve it. Like if you want to audition for drum cord, like you have to do it. Like no one else can get you, and you have to earn it. Like you can't buy it, you can't steal it. You have to earn it.
2: And it may not feel like the NBA or some crazy sport that's publicized, but in this world, you know you had to work harder than. I mean, how many? I always think about that stat of like how many actual snare drummers march Div 1 top 12 finals I think, groups. I think about that a lot. It's like too, less actually. than 130 people, or right? Like, each or year whatever. I mean, each yeah, year. like 130 people a year in the entire world march Div 1 finals. So, like, yeah, it's just crazy to think about how small a percentage of people get to ever participate in this small activity. And you've also been in leadership roles too. So, do you yeah. feel like that, like, all that also helped you, like, be in your leadership roles and kind of manage some of that stuff for sure
1: just being like in like my leadership style like i was never i would say like the most talented person in the groups that i was in even Mm -hmm. as a section leader but i just always tried to make sure that i was doing the right thing right or like being a role model or like a model of like what's supposed to be done very cool uh so
0: yeah what about you man i think evan i'm not i'm gonna try my best to not just regurgitate what Evan just kind of said there because he kind of covered all the solid, bases. Solid but advice there. I'm going to keep it I think to one thing primarily that this activity taught me that I think is the best thing that any human being can learn to do which is push yourself. I I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what it meant to physically and mentally push myself to achieve a goal until I did drum corps. Like I did just the level of stress it puts on your mind and body at the same time is something most people go through life and never, ever at any point come close to experiencing. And that's something that because of that, I'm almost done with grad school and there's been ups and downs and motivational things here and there about what I'm studying and stuff. But at the end of the day, like once I decided to do it, it's just been what I'm doing. Like, it's not been hard. Like, it's just like, all right, this is what I'm doing now. I got to this goal. I can it's pushing myself to do that doesn't even come close to what it was to push myself to achieve in the way that I was required to achieve in the drum corps activity. So I think it's it's what I think it's what a lot of youth today is missing because so many things are so readily available to them and easily achieved and obtained from our society and culture the way it's set up that a lot of people go through life nowadays never truly learning how to challenge and push themselves in different ways. Interesting,
2: yeah. Well, no, well, that's what that is, that's it is great, guys. It is what, you what it have is. So much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Again, well, thanks for, yeah, having no, yeah, me. It's, it's, it's been, a It's, lot. Been, a blast, it's been a fun, dude. almost two
0: hours. I told you we would break the record. But, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna break it no <laughs> this matter what. Uh, it's been it's definitely been good, twice be a as long one. as our normal one, but it's been a good one. It's been worth it. I'm and glad, we're not gonna, we're not gonna see you
1: for a while. Yeah,
0: I'm glad we got to come, come snag some of your time before you moved to Australia. So uh yeah dead land down under yep. we're gonna try to take drum core there i'm just kidding i have no idea what's happening uh but
2: yeah well thanks guys appreciate it it's yeah so
0: on. let's uh just uh as always please subscribe to the youtube channel you're watching and listening to this video on uh check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash aged out podcast or on instagram at aged out podcast other than that we'll see everybody next time peace